there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. So do you use Lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles, tell me, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 58, Flipstarter and BCH open source engineering featuring Saeed Miller. Today is Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022. I'm your host, Jeremy. Jed is doing the producing and our guest today is another dev it's good this these recent episodes we'll be getting a few more devs in the mix and i like that because i promised all the listeners we would have a bit more of that and i think it's time we have a bit more technical uh in-depth chat anyway so bitcoin cash developer big fan of uh flip starter obviously so we're going to be talking through that in depth and regular contributor to the bitcoin cash telegram chat as well a lot of the bitcoin uh telegram groups too welcome to the show Saeed how do you get into Bitcoin hey nice to be here guys uh how'd I get into Bitcoin actually uh I think I got into it right around or at least Bitcoin cash I got into around uh 2018 2019 uh I was working for the foundation of economic education and uh, I heard about Roger how much money he blessed them with and uh it was like uh millions of dollars I think it was the biggest donation ever in the Bitcoin and uh so that's where I learned about uh Bitcoin cash after following him on, you know, uh, social media and whatnot. And uh, after that job, I wanted to go ahead and work in uh, Bitcoin Cash and IPFS, basically, uh, doing decentralized open source programming. And so that's what uh, I've been doing ever since, for the most part. Yeah, so let's let's dig into that a little bit, actually, because I personally am not very familiar at all with the whole IPFS thing. I, I understand what it is at a very rough level. So it's the interplanetary file system so as far as yeah. i can tell it's, it's this kind of sort of decentralized web hosting sort of like BitTorrent, but combined with amazon aws uh web did he cut out there yeah we have Be- lost jeremy for those in the chat. oh i'm back i'm here oh, okay perfect. i'm here i'm here i'm so happy that wasn't me <laughs> rugged again mate rugged again <laughs> just on the show it was all the troll no. uh, uh, real quick just to just to cut you guys off for a second i apologize to the audio listeners uh that twitch notification sound still just came through i'm gonna see what i can do better right now okay all right all right Anyway, IPFS, right? So it's decentralized AWS servers. It kind of seems to me. I had a look at the homepage and I tried reading some of the docs and I kind of got a bit of an idea, but it was still mm-hmm. a bit over my head. It, like, it seems a big, big project. So give us an idea. How, how does project. that work? What's what's the, what's the going on there? Uh, IPFS is, uh, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's uh, basically BitTorrent, um, but uh, a little bit more accessible. So uh, you can have... Um, so everybody kind of like uh, contribute. Actually, it's uh, the only difference between BitTorrent and uh, IPFS is that instead of uh, like having a, a network just for each file, 
where you connect with uh, everybody who has that same, uh, you know, uh, torrent. Uh, with IPFS, uh, everybody's kind of like participating in letting everybody else know where to find that content. So if I have a file here and I give you a hash uh, of that file, then um, you'd uh, on your side of the world, you'd go ahead and uh, type that into IPFS or you go into a browser, IPFS.io, IPFS and uh, plug it in. And it'll contact basically uh, the closest nodes and locate the uh, file and then uh, get it to your machine. And, and using that hash, you can actually verify that it's the actual file similar to BitTorrent. All the uh, inner workings of IPFS is really similar to BitTorrent for the most part. Okay, all right. So, and where does all the file storage come from? Because obviously in AWS or in Google or whatever, they just buy up stacks and stacks of racks of servers. They put all the content on there. They serve it up. Maybe they have some CDN uh, providers. Mm -hmm. Okay, for people who don't know, content delivery network. So when you're like when you're requesting a website, firstly there's a central servers where they've got all the stuff set up, but then they usually have external providers to reduce latency, right? So that you can mm -hmm. you load up Google, it doesn't take two seconds for the light to travel all the way to wherever in the world, if you're on the other side of the world, the servers, they have local versions all uh, dotted about, but that's all sort of centrally managed by mm -hmm. the, the website provider and or the, the cloud distribution uh, networks. But in IPFS, it seems like who who runs the who who stores all these gigabytes of files or petabytes or whatever and and why do they bother um so that's a good question uh so how it works is is that uh you only store so everybody can participate in the network so you can run your own node on your computer um IPFS IO uh, or the protocol labs which is the company behind IPFS uh they have a bunch of huge um servers running for the public good or whatnot and that's actually why I like BCH uh working with um IPFS because it gives an incentive to kind of like, uh, you know, store files and whatnot. Uh, so I, uh, IPFS actually uh, did a IPO uh, or ICO a long time ago or 2017-ish. I think it was the largest at its uh, ever, maybe, uh, ICO. Uh, and so there's a lot of money into going ahead and uh, making storage work and make it work fast. Um, and it needs a coin kind of to kind of like uh, give the incentive to store the files. And so they've been working hard on trying to create proof of... Uh, proof of storage to kind of like figure out what, at least in the Filecoin side. But uh, I'm not into all that. Like my my chain's kind of like simple or whatnot. And that's why uh, I uh, like to go ahead and merge uh, BCH and IPFS. So the incentive to go ahead and store things, everybody stores whatever files they want to go ahead and store. But what everybody participates in is uh, basically letting each other know where that file is. So if I start hosting a file, then uh, I'll broadcast to the network and it'll store like a... Uh, uh, an identifier or a pointer saying that my computer over here, or at least my computer with this, you know, ID um, is storing this hash. And so somebody out in Japan or something could could be storing that little bit, that little bit of information saying my computer, my IP address has this file and with this hash, because there's a, yeah, with uh, this computer over here is storing this hash and, uh, or a bunch of these computers are storing like a whole list of computers that are storing this hash. And that's basically how BitTorrent works under the hood, but it just does it for one particular file or one particular torrent. With IPFS, everybody's participating in that uh, as a whole for every file that's put up on there. So it is um, sort of so it is sort of a decentralized emergent consensus in terms of you could be the only one on the network hosting your 
one file or there could be a thousand people and just cares how many people care enough to preserve that file right exactly and uh the more people who uh who store the file the faster it'll uh work obviously because then you don't have to go ahead and make a hop all around the world but uh, and more people will keep those pointers as well uh since everybody who has the file will also be able to tell hey uh i have that hash right now and so they'd be able to answer quicker uh and whatnot and so um for the most part, though, since it doesn't run off of a coin, it's either individuals going ahead and storing uh, the files or it's IPFS uh, uh, protocol labs that has their public servers, uh, which are running them. And then there's a bunch of other gateways and uh, services that are built on top of uh, IPFS as well. So they also provide that service. But usually they charge uh, a, a fee at a certain rate of how many files or gigabytes you're storing. Wow. Yeah, this is it's so it's so it's so cool. And I, I love that idea of the sort of emergent consensus around the files because reality already works that way by default right which is that if you want to read <laughs> you know the bible or any other text or anything a piece of mozart music or anything that has existed in humanity's collective consciousness for mm -hmm. hundreds of years plus the only reason that happened is because throughout that time, there has been an unbroken chain of at least one person, basically, who bothered mm -hmm. to keep it around. I mean, I know there are people who go on archaeological digs and they find the ruins of Pompeii and whatever, right? So there's some sort of freak accidents like that. But even if they, even if we find something in that scenario, if nobody cares, it just gets... It just gets wrecked, it gets junked, or somebody loses it, or the museum eventually retires it out of the display case and nobody cares anymore, right? And so mm -hmm. it's it seems to me a natural evolution that that's just the next, the digital uh, version of that, this kind of online community archiving type of yeah. thing. That's exactly right. And uh, one of the biggest problems with uh, when you're just storing, or if one person uh, is storing it, or say that it's a public good that's uh, storing it, rather than somebody who has an incentive, is that it's really slow. Uh, so if you use IPFS just on its own, that's like the biggest uh, complaint about IPFS when people start using it is that it can be very slow if you're just shooting up files up onto the uh, the web and not storing them yourself or having a bunch of servers to go ahead and store it and also feed into the IPFS network. Um, and <clears throat> the only way around that is to have some kind of incentive. That's why Flipstarter.me, I run my own node. It's public, but it's only just for Flipstarters, uh, Flipstarter data. And whatnot. I screen out everything else uh, to make sure that I'm not storing anything uh, except flip starter information. And so that makes it, you know, super fast. Um, and then anybody else can also go ahead and participate in that network. And so you can kind of like scale uh, horizontally or yeah, scale horizontally uh, pretty quickly using that kind of technology. Well, yeah, I, so it's so interesting. And I think we're going to see more things in the future are going to be like this, that uh, the idea of decentralization making a bit of a comeback obviously throughout history it has fluctuated a bit between things go through a period of centralization because mm -hmm. it's more efficient so the decentralized stuff basically gets out competed by more centralized services or products or ideas or, or whatever and then at a certain point things have become quite centralized in a lot of aspects and then decentralization starts making a comeback because it's more resilient you're trading off uh, efficiencies are like in this case the speed of the file download uh, by adding redundancy you make it more resilient but less efficient and so it's likely to be longer lasting but it has to survive the competition against the centralized competitor so it kind of goes in that pendulum and bitcoin the invention of bitcoin is just sort of a bit of a turning point a lot of people have since identified okay 
maybe as part of the trend or as a trigger for the trend, everybody has realized, wait, we're getting a bit of a scary world now where we globalize data and communications and so on and so forth. And the early internet, which was a bit more decentralized, has kind of centralized into a few big providers and players. And now it's needing to shift back the other way. So IPFS is another huge, uh, not advocate, but a huge example, I guess, of that along with along with cryptocurrency. So yeah, I, I love to see it. I think it's super cool, actually. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And uh, you bring up bring up about like uh, a global network. What's cool about IPFS is not only does it work globally, but also works uh, locally. So if you have no, I mean, this would be the replacement for the internet if you had like no glo uh, connection, because I can have, you know, everything on my network, uh, you know, uh, pulling uh, or talking to each other to go ahead and get information. So if the internet was like completely all uh, IPFS size or hashed, um, then <clears throat> You can actually have uh, networks pop up, local networks able to go ahead and communicate with each other and everything would run smoothly, even if the internet got shut off in the in between, you know, as long as people had those files uh, existing around you, you can still verify, grab them and verify and, you know, uh, be 100% sure that your data is. Uh, so you actually, it actually gives you a little bit of data sovereignty overall, too. That's actually amazing because uh, one thing I've always thought about people, it's one of the biggest FUDs ever, one of the most long lasting buds really against crypto is you always have these sort of gold advocates or whatever who've got, they've got the idea about bitcoin yeah. they're not saying okay it's used by drug dealers or all that sort of stuff once you get past all that fun it sort of gets to this point of yeah but what if what if the sun has a solar flare and <laughs> and yeah and the whole internet shuts off it's like what are you talking about if the whole internet shuts off sustained globally everywhere for a a significant period of time, mate, you're going to have a lot bigger problems to worry about exactly. than whether or not your gold bar is better than your Bitcoin. At that point, you're going to need a shotgun and some canned food, right? So mm. I, I just, it's the most ridiculous argument, but the, I think it's interesting. It pops up a lot. It pops up so often, actually. It's uh, surprising. Well, I but mean, what's Bitcoin... cool, but what's cool about it is that is, uh, <clears throat> Even if the, like, let's say, I mean, I don't know about the sun and having a solar flare and wiping out electronics, but uh, when you combine IPFS and uh, something like BCH, you know, a simple chain that can go ahead and scale and whatnot, uh, I think it provides an incentive to build those networks. So say that something did happen, you know, there's an incentive here to go ahead and connect with each other to kind of get that data uh, spreading around so we can share blocks. I mean, IPFS and the UTX blockchain seems like a perfect match to me because, um, the blocks are already hashed. The uh, transactions are already hashed. Um, so they can exist on the IPFS chain. I mean, IPFS uh, network easily. And so we wanted to go ahead and propagate that as much as uh, as much as possible. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's radio, because uh, these packets are small um, or generally small, uh, small compared to a lot of other files and whatnot. And so uh, if you have a, a system like IPFS that can work over whatever uh, protocol, it doesn't have to be HTTP, it doesn't have to be TCP, it can be Bluetooth, it can be a uh, radio, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're able to get that data and then verify it on the other side using the hash, um, then this gives the incentive to kind of share that as much as possible and as quickly as possible around the world so we can get economic stuff moving around. And the internet is important for so much of our economic activity and daily lives that this, I feel like it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, even for the people who are worried about a solar flare uh, coming around and uh, wiping out uh, modern civilization. You're blowing my mind here because, yeah, I've just realized you're right. The blocks are hashed and the transactions are hashed. So you can host each individual transaction 
on IPFS as a separate uh, little chunk of data. And so therefore you have just, but, but like you said, it all just works. It all just fits together. By default, you've already created a, a kind of decentralized, because people, when they're talking about scaling, they, there's a lot of really good suggestions, which are going to eventually sort of come to pass or, or whatever, which is ideas like, okay, you can commit the set of UTXOs and then somebody mm. can, instead of having to start at block one and go all the way to block 700,000, instead they can kind of do it in reverse where you can start with the most recent transactions or the the active transaction, which is the one that people care mm. about, uh, are going to be making yeah, future transactions built upon. And then you can kind of backfill the other ones in the past. So it's still trustless because if the hashes don't link up, then at a certain point you're going to get back and you're going to be like, wait, this doesn't, this doesn't add up, but it means mm -hmm. that you can, you can bootstrap faster and in the same so there's lots of and there's uh you know bloom filters and a more efficient thing i think there's already some of that in in bitcoin but there's a lot that remains yeah. to be implemented in terms of making things more uh ascent you know decentralized and efficient in terms of sharing around the data letting people bootstrap nodes that kind of thing uh and the the only barrier has really been resources right people we've got a thousand things we need to do and people don't have the time and Day to sit around and make all this stuff all the time only a couple of people are working on it at any one mm. point but if if ipfs is already there and you can host the individual transactions you could host the individual blocks it's already possible and maybe somebody just needs to wrap up a a, a package that makes it easy you can already just run like a a hundredth of the blockchain or, or something like that one percent or 0.001 percent and we could get a scenario where i well, yeah, we'll talk about this later with nodes. That would be so cool. If, if everybody was like running a fraction of a node, you know, think mm. about how many people don't run a node at the moment. You either run the whole thing or you run none. But what if you could just have a gigabyte of of the blockchain? <laughs> that would be mm. so cool. Yep. And uh, being able to share those blocks around where people need it, because sometimes you need those blocks and transactions to go ahead and verify uh, a payment. And so if people are going ahead and sharing those around, especially peer to peer, you know, just with their, their phone and some mesh network or something like that, which will be coming around, especially with the Internet of Things and all that. It'd be nice to go ahead and uh, get these blocks and transactions uh, moving around, maybe incentivize it a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, give me like a almost like a fee on top so you can get this uh, block so you can do your business, you know, uh, which I think is yeah. super interesting. Yeah, uh, but we will talk about it when it comes to the full notes. That 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 mesh that mesh networks uh, stuff. I was going to hit on that too because that's where I think there's just so much uh, potential. I mean, we people already uh, built into the idea a little bit of the phone hotspots, right? People understand that okay, one person has exactly. the sort of link connection, and then they can share it around to a local pool of people. And if we could expand the usage of that a bit more it was sort of circumvents around and cuts out all of the uh centralized you know backbone providers and and so often and it increases mm -hmm. ISPs are a resistance. big issue these days especially with privacy and uh century yeah exactly centuries of resistance and whatnot and so uh yeah ipfs is a big solution to that and uh of course pch and uh crypto is a good solution to the whole monetary issues going on and so linking them up together uh yeah, well, it's match made in heaven for me personally, but uh, a lot of people don't seem to realize that. I feel like, yeah, it's, it does seem, yeah, it does seem like a bit of a separate community because 
like I said, I, I, I'm aware of it and I kind of know what's going on. And I had a bit of a look at it and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I'm glad these guys are cracking away on it. But I also didn't see any immediate point where I was like, get me involved. And you don't hear a ton of sort of cross chat, I think, between those those two yeah. communities. But maybe that will grow over time, especially mm-hmm. if they found a way to sort of more plug in the crypto elements. And if people yeah. like people do DeFi farming and stuff, they got super into that basically just because they could make money. Right. So there was a reason for them to be interested if they made it a bit slicker to get paid for hosting up files, yeah. then that could be a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, <clears throat> only other person I know in the BCH community is Chris Choutner, uh, Permissionless Software Foundation. Yeah. I want to give him props and a shout out because uh, he puts out a lot when it comes to uh, BCH and IPFS, and uh, it's some good work. Um, and he builds a lot on top of it as well. Um, he basically uh, moved his uh, paid service, which a lot of freeloaders were using without paying, uh, and it was, he was rate limiting it and whatnot. But he went ahead and built out a separate IPFS uh, enabled version. Um, which is uh, since it's uh, since it's hosted on IPFS, uh, it can be um, basically anybody can go ahead and participate in uh, getting hosting that data. Uh, he's able to go ahead and provide that for free, and plus it's permissionless, and so uh, people can go ahead and join in that. And um, uh, basically, he's able, to, yeah, uh, replace this uh, uh, a paid or uh, yeah, he was actually able to solve a problem with uh, IPFS um, with uh, and uh, BCH, which was really cool. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this before, I think just in passing, uh, and I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I thought it'd be cool to have like a mesh network, um, for 3d printers and then people could, you know, pay or, uh, you know, pay, um, in whatever cryptocurrency to get a certain print done, that printer responds by sending them a token and then to claim the final materialized print, they redeem the token with, you know, the tool library or whatever. And I wonder, like just kind of building off that, just store the STL files on IPFS. And then you have whole, Mm -hmm. like imagine you have local networks and local communities that have a shared printer, but those locals, or I guess, yeah, no, I'm in love with this. This is fantastic. I think I know of a certain very niche group online that would love this kind of thing. Uh, Maybe throw it in the chat, maybe? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I'm very curious about that. Uh, But I I think there are actually... um, 3D printer files, like the ones that have been censored, I think uh, when it comes to uh, firearms, you know, printing out firearms or piece, I think they have uploaded that to IPFS since it is getting censored on the traditional uh, internet. Um, I think um, somebody can, does, I mean, don't quote me on that, but I mean, it'd be really easy to add them there, you know, uh, and uh, you can't really stop it after then, but I'm pretty sure they already are. When it comes to, uh, there, uh, since you guys mentioned mesh networking a couple, a couple times, there is another layer to IPFS that's underneath that kind of like makes it all work. It's called libp2p. Um, and I think it is based off of an Ethereum uh, library, like uh, some other kind of, uh, it ends with P2P as well, but peer-to-peer. But it basically is a library. Uh, they got a few different um, implementations, JavaScript, uh, Go, um, Rust, I think, uh, a few different implementations in different languages. But basically, this is like the protocol where how, how they talk to each other. And it, it can it, it makes it so it's standard, whether you're talking on eight, over HTTP or, or TCP or... Um, uh, WebSocket or uh, UDP, doesn't matter what the protocol is. I mean, it can literally be over radio or something like that. But uh, as long as that protocol that is a duplex kind of connection, uh, everything can kind of work together like that. And so when you guys mentioned the uh, mesh networking, um, you got—I don't think uh, people realize how much power is inside of uh, if you if we you know made use of a uh, libp2p for our communications between uh, computers uh, or devices because uh, it can really blow things up. Uh, like when you're mentioning about the 
uh, phone hotspots. Uh, my last project that I was working on before uh, Flip started on me, I went down a freaking rabbit hole uh, because <clears throat> I had something running on IPFS, a website. Uh, it was like a, almost like a little terminal app running on in the browser uh, using IPFS. And what it would do is that it would use the phone. It could use the phone uh, hotspot to kind of like uh, get a lib, uh, libp 2 p connection to the outside world, and then read it, route it back to your phone. Um, and you can actually have a certificate on your phone so that you can actually go ahead and sign everything uh, yourself. And um, you can serve yourself up um, IPFS sites um, and it'll literally come up with like HTTPS. It'll be secure. So you don't get that annoying pop up like this is not secure because that's the big problem with uh, uh, trying to bootstrap the, a new Internet onto the existing system is that you have things like this HTTPS, which is good. It's great for security and whatnot. But uh, the problem is, is that it's not really ready for the next generation uh, of, uh, since IPFS is already secure, everything's already encrypted and whatnot. Uh, it's not like the H not having HTTPS is gonna break anything, but since it has that not secure uh, symbol on there, it's pushing a lot of users away or keeping a lot of people away from, uh, you know, being able to adopt it, you know? Um, and, but there, and uh, adopt other P2P uh, kind of like systems and whatnot, but there's ways around it. And uh, using the P2P is actually a pretty powerful way of doing it. So, and that's the, and it's built and IPFS is built on top of that, which makes it even that much better. You know, does that circumvent the certificate authorities? Like, sure. so I, I do a lot of, uh, like dot local certificates. So even if I go to it and like any Chromium or Chrome based browser, it'll say like, this isn't secure and it's not because it's not HTTPS, but because it's not a certificate from a certificate authority. Yeah, you'd have to install it as a, a, a root certificate. The way that I was doing it was freaking wild. Uh, it's, we, I mean, we started getting geeky. I mean, we haven't yeah. <laughs> hit the first slide yet. We haven't hit the first, first slide yet. But uh, yeah, it generated its own certificate. You can create a certificate in the browser uh, using uh, CryptoForge, I think, or something like that. Forge, uh, it's a library that you can actually go ahead and create certificates. You just So actually, uh, it was an IPFS site, and I put it onto my Raspberry Pi as like the, um, you know, when you join a, uh, a, a, a new Wi-Fi uh uh, hot like a gateway uh, pop-up exactly exactly so it was like a no dog splash kind of thing so it's a splash page and it would actually be an ipfs page uh and you can go ahead and create your own certificate using that page and then install it it's your own it was created in the client side right install it yourself and then once you did that you can connect to an outside node and you can verify that it'll reroute everything back to you right and so once it reroutes back to you uh then it, it, it can terminate the ssl so it gets HTTP, so it's HTTPS, uh, it's happy with HTTPS at that point. So that after that point, you can go ahead and connect to anything else unsecurely, even though, but of course it's using libp2p to actually make those connections. So it's actually still secure, which is not HTTPS secure. And so, uh, yeah, and then the whole system kind of comes together after that. And so you can kind of get uh, HTTPS without actually being HTTPS. It was wild. Uh, I had to stop that project because it wasn't making me any money and it was very complex, <laughs> but it worked and it could be user friendly. And the, the way that I was thinking was uh, getting this to work so that we can have uh, mesh networks outside of like the traditional system. I mean, you can be in, you know, in the middle of the woods, you can actually go ahead and talk to people as long as they join your hotspot and whatnot. And uh, it was a uh, pretty, pretty wild stuff for real. IPFS, P2P and BCH, I feel like make a, a great combination. Yeah, this is, this is all sounding, uh, sounding excellent we might have to do a another episode at some point where we dig into all the details or or you know what what is the potential i can just see in in 10 years the stuff we're going to have out of this is going to be mind-blowing compared to to what we have today so quick quick ones for the chat i got a shout out bitcoin collab who was saying might be hitting up the club 
with their mates and uh, listening to the podcast in the background. So <laughs> shout out to anybody who's, who's at the clock, like in the corner with the with the headphones in, just listening over the Katy Perry or what? I don't know what are they playing these days. <laughs> Ariana Grande, whatever. Uh, so shout out to them, and also shout out to Bitcoin Jason, who's in the in the chat. Guess it might be a good time hey. in Australia, and the whole family. Uh, What's up, Bitcoin Jason? Getting uh, getting in on the on the podcast action. So uh, yeah, good good stuff. Uh, glad to have you all. Okay, got to crack on. First thing, shout out to the Bitcoin Cash Podcast listener survey that I mentioned in the last episode. I'm going to leave it open for this one more episode, so everyone will have a chance to. Uh, check in and fill it out if they want it's 10 questions really simple the results will be out next episode and i think we're gonna get some really interesting insights from it so bitcoincashpodcast.com slash survey s-u-r-v-e-y just uh click on that google forms link take two minutes and uh i'll see the results i'll be talking about them on the next episode so get involved in that if you if you want to do that okay price it is $117.37 US dollars for uh, one BCH. One BDC buys 172.34 BCH. So we're up against BDC this week. And one Ethereum buys 12.7 BCH. So we're actually up against Ethereum as well. Bitcoin Cash having a pretty good week against the crypto markets and a, a slight, slight improvement on the fiat uh, price, but only a couple couple bucks how do you handle the uh financial aspects of, of crypto then what do you what do you do about volatility do you speculate much do you day trade do you have a variety of cryptos or just bch tell me about crypto markets um no uh i'm uh yeah i don't really deal too much with uh price or uh <clears throat> trading uh much uh so when i see these uh, uh these price uh indicators i kind of get a sense of what's going on in the market but it doesn't really personally affect me uh, much. Um, unfortunately, uh, I yeah I trade uh, right back into fiat pretty quickly. Uh, I am trying to work towards a uh, you know a non fiat uh, kind of system and whatnot. But um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the, just I can't uh, yeah I can't handle volatility like that personally. No, that's fine. I mean, everybody has their own risk uh, tolerance and their own scenario, their own point they're at in their life their own financial commitments or whatever and it's important that people are responsible about that that's always been uh mentioned on this show very heavily and i think people yeah people need to take that seriously and even if you literally hold no bch and you just buy some make a transfer and the other person sells it that's still amazing that's still great for the network because it generates transactions it pays the miners it's creating the network effect that you can receive uh, some Bitcoin cash some other way, and then you wouldn't need to sell it because you already have an outlet to send it around. All of that is is really really uh, important. So I think everybody should just just be using it to the to the extent they can. And it, it's interesting because on this show, I don't think we've had many people who. Well, a lot of people say, "Yeah, I did some trading for a bit, or this and that," but it's obviously a show not focused on trading and gambling pretty much but at some mm -hmm. point i should have a guest on who is a big trader or a big speculator or whatever and get get some of their insights so this is the first time it's occurred to me on episode 58 that <laughs> i've never thought why don't why don't we have a, a trader or a day trader on to get their 
their take because mm-hmm. uh, they can certainly live in a different world with all the numbers and everything. It's so stressful, man. Um, when I when I was more into that, geez, you spend all day, all night sitting up, staring mm-hmm. at the blinking screens. It's like a video game that can just oh, wow. drag you in forever. It's uh, terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really play that uh, game too uh, at all, actually. And uh, I don't know how much uh, representation there are for folks like me uh, and whatnot. I think uh, I'm on the like lower end of the economic scale and so uh i think uh there's a whole lot of talk about um holding and trading and uh there's a whole lot of uh room and space in the crypto community for that kind of uh talk but not much for people who don't have much but also want to see a world where it's p2p cash everywhere you know and not centralized uh you know central banks uh running the entire economy and whatnot and so uh there's like a so yeah, I, I like to I like to have like that voice or um those differing points of views to kind of like get a voice uh sometimes, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think as time goes on, the the hope is, I suppose, that the economic resources will draw towards uh, Bitcoin Cash. So if you're involved mm-hmm. and you're in it for the right reasons, you're in it for the utility and the revolution, that that will then uh, that will then sort of self fuel itself, right? And that has happened not in Bitcoin Cash, but in crypto overall. Okay, it's been super volatile, but the longer you're in crypto. And the more sort of diversified across all the different coins, I guess you are, the more on average you have basically made money out of it, right? You've got some financial benefits to a smaller extent from the actual utility of being connected in this new, more vibrant economy. And to a secondary extent from the price just going up as more people kind of pile in. So in that way, Mm -hmm. the earlier adopters of any specific coin or whatever as long as it lasts if it goes bust like luna well you've just screwed yourself but if your coin lasts Mm. over time then on average the people who are with it they're also accumulating connections in the community they're building projects they're getting uh reputation and so on and so forth and so all those things just sort of slowly pay back to people in this beautiful loop which satoshi set up deliberately so that the people who buy in to the concept both in the terms of their money but also their time their resources their expertise then get rewarded to continue yeah. that that pro- i mean that's just how the economy works generally right but cryptocurrency yeah. is a very uh it's like that on steroids it's very amplified in that way yep exactly and uh yeah uh what you just mentioned about uh building connections and actually uh, get, getting uh that's, a, that's the way that I kind of approach it. Uh, I want to take my development skills uh, and try to actually uh, accrue BCH uh, with my, you know, not uh, not exactly working for a company out there for fiat and then trading it in for, uh, which nothing wrong with that, you know, but I am trying to go ahead and put my skills so I can go ahead and generate BCH, uh, you know, directly. Uh, through, yeah. yeah, directly. And, um, exactly. Where, uh, and I wanted to say something else about that, but I totally forgot. So <laughs> it, it'll it'll come back to you. It'll come back to you. All right. Next next slide. We got. Uh, I think we got stat of the week. Yeah, I've got sick of reporting on the transaction numbers and the standard USD every week, especially if it's boring. Uh, one of the reasons I kept it around mostly as long as I did was because uh, I think that it's so interesting to look back. If you look back at any of the older episodes, you can sort of see where things were at at that time, but. I thought, you know what, let's mix it up. So from now, I'm just going to change it, make it just start of the week can be the new segment where it'll be a different thing every week. Or we'll have transactions or sending USD if there's something interesting to talk about. But it'll be something I think is interesting to highlight in crypto. So this week, we're starting off with a, a positive one and a, 
self-centered ones. So the podcast has just passed 50,000 YouTube views uh, all time across all the videos, which I, you know, can't thank the, the viewers enough uh, for. And we've recently also, so that 50,000 views has uh, comprised more than 8,000 hours of people watching the show. Uh, and we've also just gone past more than 8,000 uh, audio down. Yeah, shout out to Fahad in the chat uh, who uh, provided this this screenshot to me and, and pointed this out. And it's just it's just great to see podcasts growing, the community growing. And that's, yeah, that's why people shouldn't be really, really worried about the price when <laughs> the views are starting to climb up there right people are interested in this stuff it's not it's if i'm i'm not here, out here making content like uh you know this week uh shocked reaction face uh <laughs> <laughs> to the moon <laughs> a rocket emojis i mean you can get a lot of views like that but it's not going to last but <laughs> that's not what we're doing here so i think yeah a very good sign the community in that in that in that in that regard do you have any crypto stats that you that you like is it transaction count or or any other metrics that you you really pay attention to in terms of community growth um no but i actually think uh the youtube views is uh definitely uh more real uh kind of like metric of what's going on within the community or coming you know our reach outside the community as well uh and so uh i think those are definitely more real than uh exactly something more like a transaction volume or uh you know which it can be all over the place uh, at different times and uh whereas with uh youtube views uh that's something that steadily grows kind of like exactly what the community does as a whole is steadily growing uh, rather than going all over the place up and down that is i feel like one is more direct comparison to what's actually going on than the other yeah exactly generally yeah we should we should be able to see when if there if because when something becomes in vogue as the world is today, if something sort of starts trending, then suddenly a lot of people get interested in that in that niche. And it's very interesting how flat the internet is in, in that sense, where it's kind of, it's kind of like the attention sort of circulating around of, across all the potential different topics. And if it all just can filter into one area, uh, like there's, I don't need to do anything different to get 10 million more people listening to Bitcoin Cash. It's just if they're interested, it's already there, and then suddenly they can all be there, right? So it's mm-hmm. we'll, I think we'll see it. So we'll see it at some point, or it appear to be really interesting if we get to a bit more of a bull run. Definitely last time when oh, there yeah. was that run up from three hundred dollars or whatever two hundred dollars to fifteen hundred dollars. The, the the show downloads started going up uh, in wow. comparison as well too and then once it went down the views also went down so it really goes to show once once the momentum is there everybody <laughs> everybody gets interested right interesting uh, yeah yep. very very interesting all right first uh actual topic of this week we've got is the merge i've got the merge in three weeks i guess it would still be three weeks it's now getting closer to two weeks uh, it seems like it's been pushed back a little to Thursday, the 15th of September in the evening. It was more going to be Thursday, uh, the, the 14th, 15th uh, night, but it's now looking like the back of uh, September 15th. Uh, obviously, this is the big Ethereum uh, make or break moment as they switch to proof of stake with years and years and years of development uh going in and changing the economics of their coin the technical setup uh tons is going into it 
got a news article here. Ethereum bug bounties jumped to $1 million before software upgrades. So obviously they don't want to have any issues there. So I, I think if they got a critical vulnerability wow. fixed for a million dollars, that would be uh, money well spent uh, on their on their part because there's a lot more than that yeah, on the line. Yeah, a drop in the bucket. Exactly. But I guess somebody could have a pretty good payday if they if they found an issue, although they could also have a bigger payday by just sitting on it and then exploiting it when it went live. <laughs> I guess that might be a little uh, riskier. But I, I just because this is the thing in, in crypto and I, it's going to be one of the biggest events in crypto history so far, whether it goes well or not. So I'm interested to get your take. What do you what do you think about the merge and, and about Ethereum overall? Um, I actually don't know too much about it. Uh, I don't pay too much attention to Ethereum. Uh, I'm actually pretty uh, BCH focused. That's how I answered in your survey for the most part too. Um, but uh, I'm curious, uh, yeah, how it goes because uh, I've been hearing a whole lot about proof of stake. It's been gaining steam since the whole, uh, since uh, I think around the pandemic when people were talking about the environmental friendliness of uh or unfriendliness of proof of work versus uh, proof of stake. And so, uh, but I've never been that confident in proof of stake as a decentral decentralized kind of like a consensus mechanism. But I know some developers, I've worked with developers who uh, really believe in proof of stake. So, but I haven't dived into, I, do, I dove in it like for a, a little bit, but I'm not convinced, but there's some real competent people who've uh, worked on it that swear by it. So I'm waiting to see, you know, what happens, whether it's uh, really good news for Ethereum or, you know, whether... Uh, yeah, how, I'm just curious how it goes. But that well, one million that, bug bounty, I might have to go ahead and uh, focus that's on that. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're already a developer, and that's 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 it's kind of an invisible hand of the market thing, which I think people don't uh, really click with uh, nece necessarily. Is that people just think these bug bounty programs, or like running a node, or a different thing, or like running an IPFS server, things like that, when you you can be involved in those things or be aware of them and not kind of make the connection that somebody at the end of the day somebody has to actually do it right it's not like ethereum puts up one million dollar bug bounty and then magically out of the ether someone just like pops up and claims the bounty and fixes a critical bug. no there's got to be actual people it might not even be that many it might be 10 might be five mm. it might be a hundred on a global scale tiny pool of people but a few mm. people who actually dig into the details okay line by line what's going on here and and there's not a big pool of people that can do this stuff like being yeah. a being a, a a good developer especially one like you have to be a pretty good developer already to be at the level where you can just load up some open source repos and just figure it all out yourself not to mention the mm -hmm. fact you've got to be specialized in particularly those languages and then when it comes to crypto you need to understand yes. a lot of the cryptography and the maths and there might be more niche elements to it so there's not necessarily all that many people most of the people who could potentially spot the bugs are already working on it kind of thing so <laughs> Uh, I guess they can yeah. use any help they can they can get. So a million dollars might be pretty cheap in that regard. Yeah, I think a million dollars. I wonder if that's for a pool of bugs or a specific. Uh, specific it would probably bug. have to that be might... critical. It would have to be like a critical issue. I think it's up to that's, one million, that's... right? So I think that that's yeah. That might be if they ever paid out a million. I think that might be the biggest bug bounty uh, ever for one bug uh, or a critical bug that was found. Uh, I think Google. That's up uh, in Google level uh, kind of like uh, payouts, uh, which is really impressive, actually. Uh, I mean, As, that uh, really from looking at it, show, yeah. Go on. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it just kind of goes and shows like how uh, how big crypto is, uh, kind of like and how important it is to the to the market. Uh, One million uh, for a bug. Uh, yeah, that's like I said, it's like Google level, uh, top uh, fang fang level. Kind of yeah but it's more it's i guess it really comes out of the direct incentivization as well too like google or other things i mean because they have been huge there was that open ssl bug a while ago there have been huge issues mm -hmm. found on the internet and stuff and partly people the the devs that find and fix this stuff are not some millionaire <laughs> rock stars yeah. you know society doesn't just heap money onto them i mean there is an element that okay devs do tend to do okay because it's a pretty well-paid profession especially once mm -hmm. you're good and uh, at the upper end as like we're saying once you've specialized down into a, a small niche then the people who need those skills really really badly need those skills and there's not not many places mm -hmm. to get them so in that regard it's kind of indirectly you can you, you get you can get paid for uh finding some of these bugs because probably the reputation or the the credibility or the notoriety from fixing a, a large bug and getting picked up oh, yeah. by google or facebook or whatever is probably worth as, as much or if not more than the actual bug itself but the bug bounty itself so it is kind of interesting how it, how it plays uh, in that way but that's like one million dollars like if, for instance, if you wanted to hire someone in the NBA, this would be nothing. This would get you nowhere. <laughs> but true, it's true, like true. critical like, uh, <laughs> network saving bug on Ethereum. Wow, tons yeah. of money, you know? Like, <laughs> just, That's a good just, way to put it in perspective, actually. <laughs> just, so it's just, uh, you know, you wanted to get a Kanye uh, song written. It's like, I don't know. The world's money's weird like that. Uh, things, things, things reach their own level, I guess. Um, mm hmm yeah that, right. that number might be a lot bigger in a couple of years as well uh you know uh yeah the bigger yeah, it depends it on how it goes yeah. yeah the bigger it grows the more the more money will be invested in it which it's again it's just that incentives just playing into itself right the bigger it gets the more money there is the more people that get involved the bigger it gets so that's why it's global reserve currency because it's just eventually we're just going to just crush off everything uh that stands in the way basically uh that's the plan anyhow all right, and then let's uh, have a chat about Jet. Yeah, here we go. Create.flipstarter.me. So this is your project that you've made with uh, Flipstarter. I think most listeners to the show should understand or know a little bit about Flipstarter. We were talking about it on the last episode with BCH uh, Latam, but it might be worth giving a little bit of a overview from, from your perspective, given that uh, it is you know your area of expertise but create.flipstarter.me is your sort of plugin or uh project i guess that has got an online tool to create manage and share crowdfunding campaigns without self-hosting or trusting a centralized server no credit card or sign up is required so essentially flipstarter itself the whole protocol at the network layer in terms of coordinating everybody buying in to the uh crowdfunding model is all uh, decentralized and now we're just adding another level of uh, decentralization in terms of the place that people go to find the info about how to contribute which at the moment somebody's just hosting on a web server somewhere also getting decentralized oh, in that okay. way so can you well I, I don't know am i just talking about, can you explain so is no, that no, no. that's correct is that what it is yeah 
Uh, yeah, uh, but that wasn't the main goal, uh, technically. I actually really just wanted it to be easier to create a flip starter uh, for because uh, uh, I started it, I think, uh, February or March because of the Canadian uh, trucker protest and uh, the GoFundMe and uh, Give, Send, Go kind of like fiasco. And so I really just wanted an easy way to get uh, people because a lot of them were uh, skeptical of crypto. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, use my skills to kind of make something that uh, make something that they can actually go ahead and use and see for themselves uh, instead of having somebody else create it for them, which kind of makes it a little bit more custodial. Uh, and <clears throat> I wanted to do it in a way where it didn't have the same flaws as a GoFundMe or a Give, Send, Go, which is centralization. Because anybody could go ahead and technically make a flip starter where it's everything's running on their uh, their server. Um, and so technically, it's since it's still using Bitcoin under the hood, it's completely, uh, you know, um, non-custodial but it's still permission it's not permissionless because now you have to have permission from the server to kind of store that information there um or for uh somebody getting access they can go ahead and uh i don't know blacklist some contributions for some reason if it came from tornado.cash or you know something linked up to something that's uh you know uh censored or they got pressured to go keep away so what i wanted to go ahead and do was make sure that that wouldn't be possible with the with the alternative because otherwise what's the point of working on it if it has the same uh issues uh, or similar issues as the GoFundMe um, at the layer that people are dealing with, which is typing it in the website or clicking a link and going to the uh, to the uh, fundraiser. And so, yeah, so we saw I saw this with the uh, IPFS. IPFS just happened to go ahead and solve the ease of use uh, issue and the uh, centralization issue. Now you can go ahead and go to create.flipstarter.me, uh, fill out the form. It's the same form that you get with uh, the um, server version. Um, so the title, your name, description of your campaign, uh, your goal. Uh, and then I'll go ahead and create uh, a website. So you'll get a new link and I'll take you to your new campaign. And uh, it's just like, it's yeah, it's pretty easy. Uh, I think, it, I don't know if it can get any easier to be honest for uh, creating, a, creating a flip starter. Um, it's just on top of that, it's uh, completely, uh, you know, uh, it's completely decentralized. Nobody is permissionless. Uh, that's why there's no credit card or uh, sign up required because technically, and even the site itself is on IPFS. So it can actually, uh, I don't even need to keep it up on a, uh, Technically, you can go ahead and uh, get this down onto IPFS. Other people can go ahead and start hosting it. Uh, and so you don't need my domain name. The domain name is actually the uh, the most centralized part about the whole thing. Uh, so you you don't even technically need that to kind of, uh, you you for sure don't need that uh, access, uh, create that flip started. I mean, so if somebody took me down, as long as other people uh, kept that hash and uh, continue developing it, um, it's uh, it'll continue to survive. It's uncensorable, um, which is uh, dope. And so that's yeah. uh, that's, a... <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, and I think this is how this is how things are going to evolve more and more as as the ball sort of gets rolling, right? I I'm not convinced that it's sure. it's really. Uh, what was that? Oh, I said, uh, God willing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. All well. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I, like I think, for instance, the whole Bitcoin thing, both. Uh, bch and and crypto as a whole kind of is moving in that direction where all these projects they are they are decentralized right like there's no there's no devs that you can sort of take out of it and just stop it it's not exactly it's not, it's, it's it's out of anyone's control really and i think what we're going to see is more and more of these 
smaller little uh, sub projects. So for instance, it's obviously it started with the actual node software itself has to get to a point where there's enough different people who know, and maybe it's not tons, but there's enough that know what is going on uh, and are connected into it all that everything operates, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have kind of like wallets, especially, uh, so I'm thinking of the Electron Cash desktop wallet, but there's others too where, okay, it's, well, it started with just one, well, it came from Electrum, but somebody just started that as this is my wallet and then slowly a couple other devs kind of plug into it and a few more users get started, so there's a bit more incentive. And then at a certain point, it's self-sustaining where the project creator can just step away from it like Satoshi style and it just keeps carrying on and then or a derivative of it as it gets forked later on somebody's making new uh versions of it and then this this kind of same same thing is happening and so eventually we're just gonna have this whole stack of stuff which just adds to the existing technology stack of you know javascript or the internet ipfs all these things just they slowly build up enough momentum that they become independent of the of the creator as long as enough of the pieces are are open source so it's mm-hmm. yeah, really amazing to see you uh, chipping into that that revolution. And I think we're going to get more and more. Those options are just going to outcompete like this. I can see this beating. I don't know how much money and millions of dollars and whatever give send go and so on, yeah. you know, that they have. They probably have on their staff 15 developers or whatever, probably more. But those developers mm-hmm. busy making, you know, a slicker like check-in flow or so, so something like that. And you just you don't even need that, right? You're just already past that stage by default. So it doesn't matter. Just you on your own can make a product. The the weakness here is is not the technology part. It's just the consumer awareness, right? Which is going to come kind of over time. But within the Bitcoin Cash community, this stuff already operates beautifully on a fraction of the resources that the centralized providers have so it's really just a matter of time before they start crushing them totally at least that's how i see it yeah absolutely uh yeah and uh, sh- uh if you're looking for a stack uh, cash stack is what uh i think cash stack is what uh chris Choutner calls it uh and i'm a fan i'm a fan of that kind of like because uh there are layers to this uh decentralization and uh block the blockchain is like the uh, the base layer um, along with uh, IPFS or IP, yeah, IPFS would be a higher layer because um, it's dealing with uh, not just storage, but how people access it as an application. So when it comes to a desktop uh, or yeah, uh, when it comes to Bitcoin notes or uh, the desktop wallets like Electron Cash, um, those are binaries that you can download online. Uh, and so it is uh, as long as you're able to go ahead and get those binaries, then you're 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 good to go. There's no way to really stop that, and that's why you don't see the government trying to actually, you know, put in an earnest effort to stop because it, it'd be impossible. Um, but when it comes to websites that are actually, uh, you know, highly uh, centralized, you know, the domain name is an important part because most people just remember the domain name. So one day, once people go ahead and start, uh, you know, getting wise to how IPFS works, and only a few people need to, uh, they will be able to go ahead and bootstrap the rest afterwards. So it is technically unstoppable it's just what the common person or uh, what the everyday person is not uh, aware of how it works but uh that can come along in time but uh <clears throat> yeah we uh but the way that I, the reason why ipfs works for uncensored uh making it uh censorship resistant is because um yeah the web isn't used to it's uh the web isn't used to um 
it's not the same as a desktop application uh, where you can actually get the uh, the code. You're, you're relying on a central server behind that domain name to kind of give you that information. And so what IPFS does is, uh, you know, spreads it out so that it's uh, possible to work in all different kinds of scenarios, uh, which is, uh, yeah, it's, so it's building, it's really building off the same idea as Bitcoin for the most part. Uh, and um, we're trying to get it uncensorable so that nobody can really, they don't even want to try to stop it because it would be a clusterfuck they even attempt it. Um, <laughs> so uh vikes 198 first time uh chatter asks what about non-binaries it sort of sounds like a i don't know some kind of political joke but uh <laughs> if so if if it is for projects that are not just distributable as a binary are there are there such such things what what happens in those cases if they can't just be hosted up and you're good to go right uh could you ask that question one more time i'm not sure I'm, yeah so i i, I, I guess the well, that's right. I'm not. I'm also not entirely clear. Like, with the I think the idea is that so the binary for a computer program is just the compiled code, and like you were saying, if any communication medium, radio waves, you could write it down on a piece of paper, right? You could just print out the ones and zeros. <laughs> it would be uh, massive, right? But you could theoretically do it for a. Um, for a computer program and then as long as you have some way to distribute that you will be able to get it to somebody else who will be able mm. to recompile and run that software so i guess i think the, the question okay it was a joke all right yeah it was well, a joke. <laughs> you, you, you got me then you got, I, I, I was like i was like come on what is it what, what, what is this i had yeah. to i had to ask i you know you got it you gotta have like a user in the chat he doesn't know what the computer binaries are anyway <laughs> damn but isn't Bitcoin perfect? Okay, all right. You got me, Vikes198. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> First time in the chat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep an eye out for you. Anyway, whatever. You you yeah. got once once you got the 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 binaries being distributed, you're all good. So you're running a yeah. flip starter for phase one of doing the development here. And so I like the way you've done this because you did phase zero, which is that you basically just did it on your own as far as you didn't uh, do any get any funding for that right you just were like i'm gonna make this project i'm gonna do it phase zero got that built built the the sort of mvp and now you're flip starting seven bch for uh, the phase one which is adding that some of those better ui elements like you're doing make it making it easier for people to get involved so work with through the the details of this this campaign uh, yeah, uh, so I spent uh, since since the Canadian instructor thing, I've been working on uh, flipstarter.me uh, pretty much uh, the entire time just to go ahead and get it out there because I'm tired of explaining things to people. Uh, and it's a lot of it's really hard to kind of communicate, especially when you're talking about IPFS, the benefits, how it works, what it could look like. And so uh, and I've attempted it a few times and it turned out so well. But this time I went ahead and uh, it's, you know, the whole flow seems uh, pretty nice. Anybody can go ahead and try it, by the way, flipstarter.me or create.flipstarter.me and uh, give it a shot. It's real quick. Um, and then you can even test out giving yourself a little uh, donation and then revoking it and all that. It's pretty sweet. Um, and so phase one is the guy. So that was the MVP to uh, kind of like, you know, show the community or show, you know, that it can happen this way. It can work this way and how. Uh, so they have access to it and the codes out there and whatnot. Next step was to kind of go ahead and get all the nice to haves because those things take up a whole lot of time. I cut out a lot of the nice to haves just so I can get the MVP out there. And so uh, small, you know, I, I can't make big uh, promises. Uh, I don't want to make big promises either because they can fall through at any time. You never know. And so next step is go ahead and uh, knock out 
the minimal that we need for uh, a stable product uh, that's uh, actual normal people or regular people can kind of use. Because sometimes there's a little, uh, every application has these like little quirks that uh, might not be user-friendly, especially when you're a dev, uh, you know, uh, just hammering out the code and you're testing it. It's like you can kind of like get a, a little disassociated from that. And so once it gets out there, you can kind of see other people's perspectives on how it could work or should work and whatnot. And so uh, that's what the the 7BTH is going ahead and knock out that plus documentation and, and uh, creating libraries so that can be reused in different uh, uh, applications in the future. So kind of like creating a base layer so we can kind of like grow from there. Because uh, I can see it going from, because uh, I said that's phase one. Phase two, I can imagine it being like a phone application compiled. Like uh, you you have more knowledge about this since you're a mobile developer, but like capacitor JS type, uh, mm. type of deal. Uh, that's one option. Desktop application, which is 100% peer-to-peer. Because once you have a desktop application, you can do the TCP connections. To, so you can create a campaign really easy, just like the same UI. Uh, but you have a full IPS, IPFS node on your desktop. And so it's 100% uh, uncensorable once you create it. You know, you don't have to worry about, and easy too, because you don't have to worry about create.flipstar.me as a domain or something like that. You don't have to worry about getting down the... Um, the IPF hash, IPFS hash that's hiding behind that domain name or whatnot. In fact, that can happen automatically and be, uh, behind uh, behind the scenes. And so that really, really would be uh, completely uncensorable. You know, no, I'm, when I say completely uncensorable, I mean no inconveniences technically, minus downloading a desktop application. Uh, that's would be really sweet to kind of like uh, move on from uh, this uh, current uh, version. And so the whole, uh, yeah, the whole idea is kind of like a branch out uh, from there, kind of get it stable, have all the documentation testing and uh, the, a nice UI flow for just that website, because that's the way that most people will be interacting with it, but also have different, um, you know, applications using the same, similar code uh, to kind of like um, make it even easier. Uh, I can, yeah. yeah, so I can see it uh, working. I would like to get a mobile uh, demo or something by the time the the BCH conference happens because I would love to see people uh, going ahead and uh, contributing or, uh, you know, getting donations for something to kind of go ahead and buy something collaboratively, you know, uh, on the island once they meet each other, you know, maybe uh, buy a helicopter ride or something like that uh, together, uh, you know, just chipping in to kind of go ahead and do something uh, wild or something like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're such in the early days of all this uh, flip starter type of type of stuff. So I'm I'm so glad you're working on this, honestly, because uh, like we were talking about, you know, you only need one or two devs who are making it a focus. And then if you can make some uh, libraries or having the, the sort of the building blocks there kind of paving the way a little bit. That will attract other people to come in and, and have a look at it. I mean, I'm 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 looking at it, right? Uh, I don't know exactly how how soon I'll be able to get involved, but I like I do like your idea of having a mobile component to it, right? That there could be some way to have, a, yeah, just a sort of a little flip starter app going on your on your phone, and especially if you pair that with a way to actually link up with people, right? The the like i was saying before about the weakness being the consumer awareness so you you need to have some way to get people uh interested but once you make it user friendly enough then the promotion is a is a piece of cake because the worst thing is you have something that's super cool but it's kind of difficult and you spend a lot of time getting people to take a look and then they take a look but it's not quite there yet they get frustrated they don't get it blah 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 so but once you've got that that ui is is slick and it's just like here it is then it's just a matter of finding the people who are looking for that 
product mm-hmm. and it doesn't even need to be that many you just need to know where to go to to find them and the power of this kind of stuff like there's uh industries around micro loans and stuff like that already kind of Mm -hmm. uh going on in the world but that kind of stuff is just a drop in the bucket compared to what could be done once you can just plug in the, the whole sort of uh bitcoin cash the global elements the permissionless aspects really start to shine then in a way that crypto being running through so much through centralized exchanges and not peer-to-peer is not really taking advantage of right now mm-hmm. i would say yeah. So. I mean, you, yeah you can't even do anything even close to that using a centralized system like binance or uh it can never be as safe as uh it is with uh this layer one uh blockchain i mean this is like real like low level uh when it comes to anyone can pay contracts uh so what uh <clears throat> so what it's doing is is like uh when you make a pledge uh it cannot um when you make a pledge to its overall goal, it's just like Kickstarter. Uh, it won't, um, if the goal doesn't actually go ahead and complete, then uh, your money duh, is sent back to you uh, or it's similar to that. Because in this case, it never gets sent anywhere uh, uh, at all. And so it's in your custody the entire time, which is great. Uh, so nobody can go ahead and take it away or deny you that service. Um, people can go ahead and collaborate together as long as they're, uh, you know, they know each other, they have the uh, transactions and whatnot, or at least one the organizer at least has it. Um, and so, uh, I can imagine for so many use cases, and you literally cannot do it uh, uh, with any other, uh, with any anything other than uh, cryptography, uh, from uh, from a, what I can understand. And so, uh, th- I think it really is a, a way that this can uh, this can shine. Plus, the collaboration and the networking part, I think, is pretty interesting. Kind of forces people to kind of like uh, connect with others to kind of make something happen, which is already the case uh, in general uh, for any kind of project. Um, and also, I think well, it'll just be fun. Yeah, yeah, you know, it seems it seems uh, pretty fun, and I think uh, another area that is going to get innovation, but we're going to see this over time. And I like what you're doing here as well too. Is is the cult the cultural element of it is still clearly very Genesis stage, right? So Flipstarter has been out for a while now. Uh, obviously, it was developed with the in the uh, pre run up to the to yeah, the fork with with abc yeah so it's about two years old now kind of time frame and in that time one of the uh criticisms i think that would could be rightly levied against Flipstarter as it is today is that there's been a kind of low hit rate in terms of return for money right a lot of Mm. projects have got funded with a lot more money than they probably should have that never really delivered right and I think yeah. that that was that's not that's not anything wrong with the technology or with Flipstarter or anything. That's just the community learning over time. Initially, it was the new shiny thing, and everybody was prepared to, you know, uh, give it a whirl, right? But now people are slowly becoming more judicious. Like I think the standard has been rising in terms of how well documented your pitch needs to be, for instance, to get any funding. And at the same time, I think the scrutiny is going up on the amount of money that you ask for, particularly in a bear market. People are going to be a bit more, uh, you know, conservative about that. And yeah. so, like in in this case, you've just got the seven BCH. It's a oh, small yes. target. You've already shown that you've uh, you've distributed. Hang on, is Jet like we've got the show the slides hosted on IPFS now? Is that what's going on? <laughs> 
Yeah, so I, I downloaded uh, the IPFS extension for Brave on my laptop, and I forgot that I've got them in the Brave chain sync, so it automatically popped up on the desktop, which is where I'm sharing the slides. And yeah, so sorry about that. Oh, wow. But uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to find your flip That's... starter. It's just it work? It seemed like a fun, fun.flipstarter.me, right? Yeah, fun, fun.flipstarter.me. Uh, yep. And uh, did it work with uh, IPFS? Because it does, uh, Brave actually includes an IPFS node, which makes things so much simpler That's for awesome. uh, censorship, censorship resistance. So you can have your, uh, so yeah, you really don't even, need, actually, when you use uh, the Brave or uh, the IPFS companion, it should show up. Uh, this is an IPFS site. And so that process where I said that my domain name is the, sort of the centralized part, Brave completely takes, takes that away. So it'll go ahead and tell you that my site is already IPFS. So you can go ahead and jump to the real link to see the real hash and uh, move on from there. And so uh, that's, uh, yeah, Brave and uh, this uh, IPFS uh, Flipstar works really well together and completely censorship resistant. So actually that's just as good. That's some very similar, uh, similar in power to actually having a desktop node because Brave kind of includes that already right in the browser. And I imagine that's going to be the thing uh, if IPFS gets uh, you know bigger in the future as well. Yeah, it just wasn't activated. So uh, I had to go into my settings and like install the extension essentially. But yeah, I'm on IPNS uh, fun.flipstart.me. So we're ready to go. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a 7BCH uh, target. I think you are already nearly there, right? I think you already had like nearly five and a half uh, BCH. So hopefully with a bit of promotion on this show, a couple people uh, chip in and it just gets over the line there because that would be awesome. But I think this is an example of how things are going to develop that to get a flip starter funded in the future you will need to have like things have gone from you just need to be excited about flip starter and you know throw up a page right but now yeah. i think you've got to have a, a pretty solid pitch with your flip starter and then on top of that now i think it's going to start to be you need to have prior art you need to have shown look i've already done step one phase zero uh myself so you know I'm I'm committed to this project. I've bought in, I've spent my own time, my own sweat equity, etc., to make this work and demonstrating that you've got the skills to do it's sort of like building a resume. That's another thing that can come out of this kind of stuff is are oh, we yeah. gonna get uh once we get better tooling as well, I, I don't expect you to necessarily make, but maybe at some point or hopefully somebody else can come in and collaborate on this. Maybe I will. <laughs> uh but there's long been the idea of having flip starter accountability needs to be kind of better records of who ran a flip starter, how much they got funded for, what got delivered, like following that up or at least making it easy for the person who makes the flip starter to automatically you know, back things up or get reminders to themselves to that they promise this and this, uh, the formatting on the page of just how it's displayed, like that you could have a results section that matches up the things with a nice graphic of ticks here and crosses here and, you know, timeline, Gantt charts, whatever, right? There's so much that can be built on this that would just make it all, all a breeze. And the more efficiently those systems click into place and the more people click with these ideas the more efficient the community is going to be at allocating its own resources around which is just going to accelerate us ahead of the competition both crypto and fiat so yeah i think that's amazing uh yeah decentralized businesses uh, uh i think roger actually mentioned that when i first uh, heard about flipstar he was like this is de this is technically decentralized finance and that kind of stuck with me uh after i heard that and uh 
that's kind of like the idea where I'm, I like it, like it to go. Um, I mean, the phone app and the desktop app, that's uh, cool and all, but that's kind of like the infrastructure layer, kind of getting people like uh, aware of it and being able to use it easily. Uh, but there's so much more, like you're just saying, that we can uh, kind of do from uh, a business kind of a uh, perspective and uh, investing kind of in a uh, perspective. Um, because that's what contributors are. They're they're technically investing into, uh, uh, I mean, then they might not get a monetary return back, but they're looking for, uh, except maybe in the long run with the, the you know, BCH price going up based off of the projects. But um, they, they're, they're trying to get a return on something generally. Um, and so, uh, yeah, making that better is uh, one of my goals uh, in the, for the future, God willing, uh, not just making it easier to, uh, so updates, it's a low hanging fruit that's inside of my, uh, uh, flip starter fund flip starter me um i'm gonna do that with uh ipns uh which is related to it's uh it's something it's like a a technology with uh, ipfs to kind of get something that uh you can get updates or mutable it's immutable ipfs is immutable ipns you sign something it's like a record it's almost like dns where you sign a new record every time something changes and so i want to go ahead and uh, implement that that's phase two to kind of like uh get notifications and then if there's a phone app I can actually go ahead and possibly uh, have a server running that can send that as a push notification or something like that. Um, I've also got a little telegram. Uh, I sent it to you, like a little video about like a little telegram uh, bot that can also do something similar. I could I can imagine it being really useful. Or that's actually part of the uh, accountability side. Uh, I was just experimenting integrating telegram with a uh, flip starter so that people can have like a channel to communicate and uh, talk about the uh, flip starter after it's created. Possibly even if the bot is the admin and the um, the organizer isn't technically the admin 100%, then uh, it can <laughs> the community alive. can uh, get get at them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would, it would stay alive uh, even if the organizer wanted to just go ahead and disappear. You know, you can have that uh, a little bit more accountability if, uh, you know, there's like some automated systems kind of like integrated with uh, flip starters. But that's sort of a separate uh, problem than specifically trying to get uh, flip starters easy enough that the everyday user can... Uh, can uh, jump in on, you know, they might learn, they probably will learn the exact same lessons we do about uh, giving your money to organizations uh, or people who, uh, you know, uh, you know, being excited just to give it to it. And then, you know, you never know that it, whether they deliver or not. Um, and so uh, they'll probably learn that. But my goal was to go ahead and uh, just get that, uh, that the target that uh, outside of the regular BCH community, but making it easy and uh, making it accountable. All these problems with Flipstarter, I think it's really interesting from the business perspective. And I'm very down to kind of like uh, explore it some more. Uh, I think I mentioned to you, there's even um, the idea of like uh, being able to buy bulk goods with, uh, or oh, this is kind of, yeah. weird. but I can see uh, so many applications for uh, uh, the anyone can pay Flipstarter contracts. Um, so for the audience, the idea was is to go ahead and uh, buy uh, bulk goods at a cheaper price uh, collaboratively. So people are pitching in. And if it falls through, then nobody loses any money. Uh, and I feel like that's a perfect application for uh, uh, flip starters and maybe a way to go ahead and get into the market with the supply chains, you know, talking with businesses, how they want to go ahead and contribute or uh, depends on who the who the end user is, who is who's interested in that kind of like technology. But I think it's a really interesting kind of explore. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple different uh, tracks that we could go on. I would like the you know community to kind of like explore these. I want Flipstarter.me to kind of be a place that people can go ahead and pitch in and uh, collaborate and uh, you know you know make it actually happen. I think this could be some somewhat of a somewhat of like a low layer for all the rest possibly. You know, uh, sort of like um, yeah, an open source way of kind of like building actual business models. So Jed. I just demoed the the ipfs uh flip starter here fantastic so smooth um 
curious about the web wallet, like the integrated wallet, but I didn't want to have to write down another seed at the moment. So I just went with the traditional <laughs> flip, uh, the Electron Cash plugin. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, the the web wallet, you don't technically have to write it down. I mean, you should. Everybody should write down their uh, private key, especially in this early phase of uh, the project. But uh, about a month ago, less than a month ago, I integrated auto refunds. And so when you use the web wallet, uh, it'll go ahead and create a time lock uh, refund transaction that also gets uploaded uh, along with your comments uh, and alias. And so um, <clears throat> you'll... Uh, so the so we can go ahead and do uh, automatic refunds and whatnot. So if my flip starter failed, I have everybody will have access to those uh, uh, refund transactions as well. It's on IPFS and it's all like uh, linked in the blockchain as well. Um, and so anybody can go through and uh, refund those things once it passes the due date. That's amazing. That's so, so, so cool. And uh, so, but basically uh, it would be that just one one person out of the flip starter would see, okay, it's past the time and then they can fire off everyone's refund transaction or only their they own? They all have the same uh, time lock. And so it's yeah. already signed by the person, I mean, by the, uh, when the web wallet, when you made the web wallet uh, pledge. And so it yeah. just, it's just waiting for that time lock. And uh, I could go ahead and do that with my server, but that wasn't part of phase uh, phase zero. You know, that yeah. would be nice, nice to have, but technically anybody can go ahead and do it. And so I wasn't really uh, that pressed to kind of like make that uh, automatic uh, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And we should definitely... Uh... Well, that's that's somewhere where I think, yeah, a little uh, iteration on this is also going to be pretty key because as I was contributing to this uh, flip starter just a couple hours ago, you know, like the signing of the um, the messages and stuff like that, I still wasn't a hundred percent sure. I got to be honest, there's a bit of magic there where I was not really sure what what message am I signing? Is this the comment that I've made to yeah. go into the flip start? Like. It just sort of it steps you through it. It says, "Okay, sign this, click this, da da da." But uh, it would uh, just a couple lines of explanation there, maybe a nice graphic, something like that could. Uh, that was nice to have a lot. Calculations. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm asking for a lot. I'm being the classic user, which is you do the dev grind, you work super hard, you just get past bug after bug after bug. You make something, and the first thing someone's like, the way you know it's good is if somebody says, "Yeah, where's this?" They don't say, oh, good job on you did this, you did this, you did this. You did. <laughs> if there's, hey, oh, there's a bug, you're going to hear about it instantly. But if it's if it's smooth, you're not going to hear a single thing about that. You're going to hear where's the next thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that, that's it. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's doing great. It's doing great, man. That's the truth. Uh, but yeah, uh, the when the messages and signing, uh, that that is a little complex. I did put in a pull request to the original Flipstarter uh, plugin so that we can get uh, signed. It already had something technically already laid out there. Uh, it just wasn't implemented. But we can do this uh, signatures uh, at some point. Hopefully, when it gets merged in, then it'll be automatic, and you don't have to do that final step of uh, signing the message. No, the second to last step of signing the message. Yeah. Because since it's all on IPF, it's all decentralized. We don't want people uh, faking or spoofing a, a mm. transaction. And so it has to be signed by the contributor to be sure so we can display it. If that signature doesn't match, it'll just show up as anonymous. Uh, because technically, the um, the contributions will still be good. We're just not sure about the extra data attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Okay, cool. So let's, let's rock on with the next thing then. Sort of related to this uh, in, in a way is well in a in a big way is this open source development funding there's an article i've got here called myth busting we need a developer fund by tom zander who's the flowy uh 
developer and he had written this article on read.cash which i recommend everybody look it up the link is on the slide uh but i'm sure you can just google myth busting we need a developer fund tom zander read.cash will probably uh come up but essentially the, the point he was making was back when the bitcoin cash community was having these debates about who funds developers right how do they get the money to work on the protocol and we're, we're seeing it recur as it always does like we talked about the bug bounties in ethereum how do you incentivize people to do security review and stuff like that it's super boring even devs who love coding there's always parts of it that people are like god give me a break i don't have i don't have time for this, this is like uh grunt work you know the just just plugging together the lego pieces it's not really exciting or innovative it's just necessary and so he wrote this article about that and and i mean even now you can see in bdc they're having the what's his name latimer or i think it was him or maybe there was someone else i don't know some of the bitcoin core devs are kind of giving up or quitting or moving on or however you want to put it because they're sort of like this is this thankless job under yeah, tons exactly. of pressure nobody's paying for me you know i mean blockstream funded a bunch of them for a while but like peter todd he's out of there different people the incentives dried up basically once the project got captured and so now you've got in bitcoin cash you had the resistance to the ifp so ecash are on their own fork uh and this kind of uh fuds sort of as it was at the time was well we just don't have any devs we're going to run out <laughs> you know it's going to be a disaster and so he has this excellent article where he steps through that there's a lot of angles to this you need to consider and one of the best points i think was about the fact that if you have a fund and there are coins that have that there's xcc obviously has a fund um uh, dash are also have their their funding operation and so on as soon as you put that in, you create a central point, a honeypot, essentially, that people are going to fight over for the resources. And then not only do you have people trying to scramble in and, and get to that uh, amount of money, but they also are incentivized to continue the flow of that money, right? With a flip starter, it's nice because you fund your project, you do your project and that's it. It's like a one-time deal and then you can run another flip starter and you can chain them together like that. But if if there was a way to run a flip starter that just paid out, you know, a certain amount of funds every like a block reward exactly like the IFP, then that can just continue in perpetuity and obviously over time you're going to get lazier and lazier if you've got that guaranteed reward coming in essentially and even if there's even if that money would be better spent elsewhere when has anybody in the history of the world ever got money and said you know what i don't need this i don't, i'm good and just let me just give that back like once you've got the gold mine of the income stream coming in you become dependent on it. it's just natural mm -hmm. so i think for all those reasons uh and, and there was there's even more argument but i think those are some good starting points as to well if you say okay we don't we don't uh want to have that kind of uh community involuntarily or voluntarily funded uh war chest that then pays some central uh developers how how do we how do we pay the developers so i've got a couple thoughts here but what what do you think do do we need more funding for devs and how are devs getting paid in bitcoin cash uh, uh i don't think they're getting paid very much and uh or but actually but there's so many different markets here there's so many different de uh, developers working on different things i'm a front-end uh kind of a developer for the most part 
whereas there's uh the core team like uh general protocols types of uh and the, the ones working on the full nodes uh and so they have a completely different pay scale than uh somebody like me uh and so uh and there's entry level folks who just want to get in and build something to kind of uh you know, to kind of contribute to the open source uh, uh, world. And so there's different, so many different uh, types. So I don't know how many, uh, how many are full time uh, or looking for uh, uh, some kind of um, income, but I do know that everybody in Bitcoin and uh, crypto uh, wants crypto to be kind of like the, uh, the world reserve currency. And so we do want to get paid in this uh, currency, especially for developers who can contribute to the, uh, the overall, um, to the to this base layer of uh, the economy basically um and so <clears throat> i yeah uh, i'm not sure how where they're getting their money from for the most part i'm not privy to uh to all that but in the case of uh bitcoin it seems like it's coming mostly from uh corporations or education uh kind of like grants or things like that um and and i'm not sure when it comes to the bitcoin cash community uh to be honest uh, <laughs> do you do you guys know it's coming from uh, well <laughs> well, that's the beauty of decentralization. It's a bit uh, opaque, but I mean, so one thing I think is the thing about developers, which uh, non-devs sort of need to uh, get a handle on is, okay, so firstly, if you are a developer, especially a good one, you, ca you can make money, okay? It's not really a question at all whether or not developer jobs are in demand. They're in sky-high demand. And there's tons of people who will pay you to do that work of building their website for their VC funded, whatever, with millions of dollars. Okay. So if you, if you are a developer, you've got a nine to five job, uh, pretty much there whenever you, whenever you want it, you're not going to be, uh, dead broke. If you can write, uh, some decent JavaScript, I assure you, you know, <laughs> I guarantee that. So that's, that's the first element. The second element is that developers do actually like doing development uh, as, as strange as it is like people, even if it is their job. And like I said, people might have aspects to it that they can't really be bothered about, especially if it's on a passion or a side project and they're not getting directly paid for it. But devs, devs do like solving hard problems. They do like building cool things for the future and they do like engineering that's it's like a chicken and the egg thing it's not that they got into development well some did i guess to make money and then uh afterwards they just they're just mercenaries no the majority of devs especially the good ones got into it because they were already into it they were already interested they were already playing around with things or they already had that uh engineering solving problems type of mindset so in so, so there is some capacity, not limitless capacity, definitely. But there is some capacity for things to get built basically for free just because the, the devs doing it like want to do it. So I've done a little bit of Bitcoin Cash development, not very much, but a little bit. And what I've done, I haven't been, you know, getting paid like explicitly based on that. But at the same time, I'm developing my dev skills and I'm having fun doing it, right, to a certain extent. So... I, I think the idea of everything needing to be paid like gazillions of dollars or whatever is just straight up wrong <laughs> because there's a uh, research uh, and Tom Zander kind of goes into this a bit and I'm, I don't know all the specifics, but the premise is that if you are getting, the more you're getting paid past a certain point, it decreases your motivation, right? If you, 
get paid to do something that you enjoy well then it becomes an obligation because now you're like trading your time and resources and whatever for that thing rather than i just want to do it you know you can take the magic out of it if you give someone all this extra money not to saying that we've got enough money or that you know whatever but there's certainly a role of personal satisfaction like you said people all the devs can also buy into the coin and in fact they're some of the best people you want to buy into the coin because they would have they have analyzed the code and figured that this is going to work <laughs> you know uh if the there's a reason the bch developers are the bch developers and not the ethereum developers because they looked into it and they thought no uh this is this is actually uh got a future and there's also a sort of element i guess of companies uh paying for developers either directly because they need they need a certain thing so they hire somebody to build that thing for them but hopefully as time goes on and we do already see some of this there are like you said general protocols is a classic example of if a company is built on the bitcoin cash ecosystem if they've built a ton of code and products and industry connections in that niche then they will basically it's like take a loss like it's not uh, directly profitable for them to spend money on funding let's say no developers but they have to do it because the way uh amory always used to explain it was it's like paying your insurance which is that if you're you know if you're uh if you're a, a builder in if you're a business in any sense if your infrastructure breaks down your business is going to be screwed so you have to reinvest back in the grassroots of the of the economy so that's not necessarily true for crypto agnostic businesses right like exchanges for instance the there's a pro and a con if coinbase they don't won't necessarily chip in much to bch development but on the other hand they don't ask much from bch as long as it's there they will get themselves sorted they'll run a node they'll kind of uh do their part and then on the other hand you have companies that are built into the scene and are bought in and for them they will they will uh, do a lot more directly to help the coin and fix any problems but on the other hand they, they're gonna they're gonna need more uh need more help they're gonna get their money from somewhere they're gonna make money they've got to have a you know a, a business they're charging customers and all that right so yeah. like the the podcast is i think a really good example of that. i want to see and i'll be very excited the more companies and projects and products that start which are bch focused because i i'm you know i'll donate to your flip style donate to a lot of people's flip styles or to dev work or put in dev work myself because i can't just switch off to dash or like some other some other thing <laughs> i need bch to work so i'm going to do what it takes to to make it happen yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> to kind of get into a little bit of Tom's article because it was a good, uh, good article uh, when I read it, and uh, yeah, there's a there's definitely some dim diminishing returns when it comes to investment, uh, and so when people are uh, like, uh, I think even Bitcoin developers have uh, seen a similar thing. Once the money started rolling in, it's not like development and contributions, you know, shot through the roof uh, because uh, money was coming in. It actually uh, either stagnated or possibly even uh, dipped. Maybe the growth actually stopped growing as uh, fast. So it's a it's a phenomenon that we see all over the place. It's diminishing returns when it comes to just throwing money at a problem. And uh, passionate people, uh, you know, and the passionate people and people who are trying to like learn and you know they have uh, some intrinsic motivation going on. Uh, they are able to kind of like get around those issues uh, a, a bit and actually produce more than somebody who's uh, being paid a whole bunch to kind of like do something that's uh, 
yeah, something, some, somebody go ahead, went ahead and thought up for, uh, you know, uh, I don't know where they get their ID sometimes when they, when money is starting <laughs> to flow. Uh, but it's, for some reason, it does skew our thinking uh, somehow. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense, especially when it comes to a foundation that's all the money, most of the money in the economy or, the, you know, that small economy is going towards that uh, uh, foundation. Then that's just the, so the effects are, you know, uh, that much more uh, impactful to the whole community. So the diminishing returns is on everybody's money, all the contributions instead of uh, just that specific business in their little context. It's, it makes the, it affects the whole coin at that point. Um, yeah. So one solution in my, uh, my opinion, just, uh, you know, more, instead of just one single foundation, multiple or multiple companies, uh, you know, just keep it as decentralized as possible. Uh, that might have an issue with the people complaining about where the money's going or how much, uh, but that is part of what business is and trying to market and letting people know uh, and are, you know, um, debates like these about whether the effectiveness or not, because that's part of the solution as well as pointing out what these problems are. So, you know, so we can actually learn from our mistakes uh, in a sense, if you want to call it a mistake, but just learn from our experiences a bit um, and uh, move forward. Uh, there was a few things. There was two things uh, since I'm a developer and I'm always thinking about like new ideas and whatnot. There's uh, at least one thing that I wanted to mention that I thought would, would be kind of interesting. It's always been something I've been playing. But since I've been focusing on Flipstar to me, I wasn't able to kind of explain it uh, very well. Most people do not understand what the hell I'm saying when I explain this, by the way. So just to prepare you guys. But I can see a foundation absolutely playing a role that benefits the community uh, in a way that I've never seen before. Uh, and that would be to, and it would be any nonprofit could technically do this and even a content creator could technically do this. Um, but take in fiat from uh, the donors because uh, most foundations are already taking in fiat uh, for uh, the, the cause or whatnot. Take in the fiat and ask those people who are giving the fiat for an address, right? And then sign that address as the entity who's taking in the fiat. Then people who have crypto could possibly go ahead instead of giving it to the foundation. You can give it to the fiat donors. The fiat donors now get, they got an onboard into crypto because they gave fiat money and somebody else gave them crypto instead. So they have somewhat of a, a of a onboard. And so if they're already supporting of the, supportive of the um, foundation in a sense, uh, and you know, that's, then it's, there's no loss there technically. And if you're not uh, interested in the foundation, you're just trying to get some crypto, it's an option, you know? There's nothing illegal about you know going ahead and making a donation and other people going ahead and uh, you know donating back and then maybe the foundation can go ahead and give some rewards at least in the content creator sense they can go ahead and give some rewards to the people because uh, now you have proof on the blockchain that somebody went ahead and refunded somebody else and I can see that kind of like uh, you're generating uh, value you're getting uh, the uh, donations and you can go ahead and do whatever you want with it like uh, that your mission statement is but you're also going ahead and giving an opportunity for people who are actually going ahead and donating and providing an on ramp into the whole. Uh, crypto economy, which I think would be pretty sweet. And the more organizations who do that, the better too. Uh, and so you can still have, you can have that kind of like side by side, but it's the added benefit of that centralization a bit. So if it's running as a 401c3 or whatever, uh, you know, nonprofit, then, uh, you know, they can take in those donations. You can even get a tax return and get a little bit of crypto on top of that. Although you technically, uh, you know, I don't think you can technically tax that. And so I just think it's like an interesting avenue. Yeah. Well, that's like the underwriting idea that people have done with with various merchants where somebody uh says okay i'm gonna like sponsor this uh merchant because i want to get some bch and i've got fiat people are going to come to the shop and they're gonna 
you know, paying crypto, well, maybe the merchant needs to cash out for volatility concerns or they're not sold on the whole economy or whatever. So I'm just going to take the other side of that trade. And yeah, it's just, just a similar idea uh, with the f- fundraiser and with like Flipstarter type five, which I'd never actually thought of before, but I'm sure somebody could do it. I think when it comes to um, the whole uh incentives uh, that's why it's very important for the ecosystem to be friendly to developers because if you have a lot of toxicity and a lot of drama and low appreciation and blah 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 if you're driving away developers that would work for free like it's it's free it's literally free to attract developers to your coin if you just have a, a positive community that enjoys you know technical innovation that is open to people coming in from other chains all that kind of stuff you can you can attract devs that's why the cultural environment is something that everybody plays into and it and it really uh, has technical impacts which in the end benefit you know or or hurt the actual investors so everybody should be aware of that i think jet do you have something you can chip in there kind of it's a little bit of a tangent but still related um so especially because uh, my schooling was paid for through a Flipstarter campaign. Uh, I've always had this, you know, v- like distinct goal of I want to build something on Bitcoin Cash that's a useful uh, product for people, product or service, whatever that might be. Um, and to me, the money isn't a concern at all, but the money is like inherently tied into opportunity cost because I do have a day job. And so... Well, I'd like to dedicate, you know, those those uh, eight to uh, like 12 hour days to Bitcoin cash. I have to go and work at this day job to make sure that I survive. So I think there's um, there's some resources for like teaching yourself, uh, but I don't think there's enough structure for new developers to come in and even as a hobbyist, like tinker around for a year and get something that... Uh, that you could use as an open source project, right? Like you might have something that's working, but no other dev can contribute to it because there's no comments or the the, the structure is shit or, so, or some something like that. Um, I think personal satisfaction is sustainable to the extent of those opportunity costs. Or I guess maybe I'm phrasing that wrong, but like you need to have the opportunity to be able to dedicate that time and... I think most people would just from personal satisfaction if they didn't have to worry about other things. 100%, man. I, I think about this kind of stuff a, a whole lot. I actually went to uh, uh, one of the schools where, you know, that you learn for six months and they give you a job. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. went through that like a, uh, almost like a decade ago and whatnot. Um, and th- then afterwards, I actually taught people, uh, uh, you know, uh, I went back and uh, started teaching that class. Uh, uh for onboarding or not onboarding, but uh, yeah, kind of like onboarding. Yeah, onboarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> onboarding the coding, and uh, and so uh, and those were fresh new people who'd never touched code before. You know, uh, they might be technically might yeah they 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 might be technically inclined somewhere. They did like a test or something like that to kind of figure out the aptitude, but they didn't really touch code ever before, or maybe not even technology in general, uh, or you know, uh, in a deep level. But anyways, uh, so yeah, I think it's important to kind of like uh, get in. Uh, to make it easy for uh, newer people to kind of uh, get into the coin because that could reduce costs by having more people coming in who are passionate and want to go ahead and contribute and whatnot. Uh, and I think that's to uh, Tom's point in his uh, article because, uh, 
that is uh that is a decentralized way of kind of like uh getting uh people can go out and contribute to the knowledge base because knowledge is pretty damn uh you know uh decentralizable if that's a word uh and so once you get that decentralized uh, that knowledge uh you know distributed then uh more people can kind of come in and uh contribute to uh projects you don't really technically need a funding mechanism for that you just need some dedication and people who are passionate to kind of like uh keep it going um i think so yeah i think that's a super important part of like uh making it sustainable uh making these projects sustainable and the coins sustainable especially since it's all for the most part uh open source software um yeah. i don't think i do think for like uh aaron's case and to a lesser extent uh in mine working with the the atm thing like hardware costs i know for him are well, I don't know about scale. So uh, hardware costs for the ATM has been the biggest setback because even if I like <clears throat> this was just, you know, a, a someone uh, a comment on Telegram, right? So that is through and through a passion project. <clears throat> but for me to test out some of the components uh, and get them all shipped to me and exchange rates and all this, it's like so much of a hassle. And uh, so the part of the telegram group for that has been to kind of gauge interest uh and there have been a few people i think more uh influential people that have kind of expressed their interest but there hasn't been a lot of what i would consider end user interest and so it's hard for me to justify not just the the opportunity costs but the actual uh monetary costs to even test and and yeah go through the mvp of this uh, yeah, I don't know. Software, I think, is a little bit different because it's like if you've got a computer, you can kind of do it. But uh, those hardware projects are a whole other level of a tricky, I think. Well, yeah. this is just reinventing the whole <laughs> VC ecosystem from the ground up, basically, which is this is why a, a startup company, you don't just get a few devs and call it a day. I mean, the devs, the devs play a, a pretty important role, but you've got to have uh, some product managers to keep things moving in the right direction. You've got to make sure you have some good designers, some good UX people that are keeping an eye on it. And uh, to, at some extent, that sort of bleeds into the salespeople, right? Where you need to be able to validate the idea and make sure it's something people want, because otherwise you're just throwing away money on something that nobody's going to need and it's not going to last in the, in the end, right? So there's a there's a bit of a compounding effect where if the uh, ecosystem is growing that will attract more devs who'll build more products and everything will, will go brilliantly like that but in terms of uh getting the opportunity for people to have working on full time on on bch and to do projects like these uh yeah the the funding is kind of but that's where the flip started i mean it's all coming together right uh, like you could just run a flip starter for how much money it would take you to make it say this is my flip starter for prototype V1. These are the parts I need to get or, or whatever. And this is the game plan and just see if people, if, if people care enough to give you the money, they will. And if they don't, what it costs you 20 minutes of your time to, to get it set up and, and promote it. Right. So I think that's kind of the model that we need to be moving towards for the ecosystem to be funding new, new projects where otherwise it wouldn't happen. Like just validation at a very small scale. Yeah, uh, funders, I think, are just as important as uh, the developers and the marketers and the salespeople, uh, the people who are actually going ahead and making the investment before you get to the stage of because there's all that work up until before you actually make your first uh, your first sale. You know, it wasn't already pre-made to go ahead and sell it to somebody else. The, there needs to be investment into it. And so uh, I think they're just as key as a, a part of the, you know, uh, uh, 
the, the whole uh, the whole team as uh, everybody else. Um, and uh, well, Aaron was one of the folks who, who was thinking about using Flipstarter as kind of like bring down the price of hardware because uh, if we bought bulk, then uh, the price would go down a, a whole lot. Uh, and so it'd be, uh, but we have to figure out, you know, how many people are interested in that, how much, uh, where it's going to go, shipping and all that. But uh, there's definitely a possibility there to kind of like uh, use uh, flip starters for not just uh, re uh, not replacing, but making it easier for people, making a decentralized for investment, but also making it cheaper to kind of uh, um, to build uh, some of these uh, bigger projects. Is there anything in the works for having a something like a single flip starter campaign? where the payouts are incremental depending on milestones? Um, no, it will take some uh, coordination since it's a uh, signature. Oh, or, 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 yeah, some coordination or pre-signing pre of uh, multiple um, multiple uh, goals. Right, uh, yeah. Okay. And so, uh, and the thing is, is that they have to be, um, you'd actually have to go ahead and not have it completely open because I think technically somebody can go ahead and make the payout uh, say it's one of the smaller ones and there's a bigger one, that, bigger goal that you're going for. And the, somebody, anybody, as long as if they have all the contributions and signatures, they can make that payout themselves uh, before you reach the right. Uh, okay. And so you want to have something where it's not, if you want to, if your goal is to kind of get a bigger one, then you want to prevent that somehow. Uh, and so uh, that might take uh, a little bit more, that might be better served by a, a, a single server. Cause in that case, you, you don't want everybody to have access to the data. And so, um, but there's ways to kind of like uh, figure that out, I'm sure. Uh, one of my goals is kind of like not just support anyone can pay uh, contracts, but to kind of kind of uh, play around with the uh, different types of contracts on this uh, Flipstar stuff uh, and make it easy to kind of create one. So people, different people who have a similar business model to go for can also go ahead and easily one click create it um, in a web page. Um, but that 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 multi-stage stuff basically is already doable like you're demonstrating yourself where just at a cultural level that if you just run it you can you can publish your plan okay here's phase one phase two phase three and you can spec it all out here's the cost here's the blah 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 and you just run each one as a separate flip starter so that's already doable today i don't think we need a ton of I'm, i think what just going for is that if since prices can come down uh the more you get uh then you want to have like multiple is that what you're gonna get? Uh, well, no, I, I think, I think Jeremy's right, but I'm, I'm being the, uh, asshole end user where it's like, well, why don't we have this? Like, why isn't it automated yet? Gotcha, gotcha. Right, rather than having, yeah, we do have that. You can create multiple campaigns, you can publish your plans, but you have to be so much more coordinated than having this one page that people go to and go, okay, well, I'd like to contribute and, you know, whatever step along the way we get to, we get to. But that's just UI, right? Uh, yeah. And, and and this is another thing that is going to develop over time is just the surrounding tooling in terms of uh, the current flip starters, the accountability and stuff. People have just been left to their own devices as to how do they communicate with people at the moment. It's just pretty ad hoc because people are doing these kind of one shot like kind of scrappy campaigns, right? But in the future, it'll probably be, oh, you can sign up to the flip starter and the flip starter service already provides with it like you were talking about with the Telegram bots and stuff, okay, then it sets you up a communication channel where people can go for updates and it automatically records, you know, uh, segments as things go. Like all this stuff can can be built. It's just it's just the surrounding infrastructure, not not a lot of the blockchain stuff really needs to change. And even though it probably will because with uh, there's a big tangent, but like cash tokens with that coming in, 
that just can create a whole range of of things, right? Where people are paying into the contract and they're getting out, um, you know, tokens for their contribution, and then maybe they can use that to vote on what is the next stage, or like, you know, backed by the fact that they have actually provably contributed. And there's a million variations of that uh, going to be coming up as well, too. I'm sure, right? Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for that. Uh, but that's a uh almost like a year away uh, and, uh but uh i am preparing for that uh that one that comes around uh god willing because uh yeah there's a lot of use cases it actually might simplify uh, a lot uh, certain parts of uh uh flipstarter actually overall um and so i'd be interested you can definitely get an arbiter so right now if you wanted to arbiter in between you can't really do that with uh the current contract because mm-hmm. it'd be hard to kind of return the money back uh the way that it's built because you don't you can't do that within the contract um you know, with uh, with Bitcoin script right now, but with cash tokens, you can kind of like keep uh, every time you put out a to- every everybody who puts in a BCH, they can get a token back, and that's kind of keeping uh, track of how much you put in, uh, in a sense. And so, um, it it makes it so much easier to kind of keep uh, handle state at that point. Um, and so yeah, that's uh, how I am. You name kind of like explains uh, cash tokens. He says it's not just about tokens; it's about state. You know, passing around state. That's exactly the benefit when it comes to Flipstar. It keeps the state about um, who uh, by having the tokens, you're basically proving that you put in money into a certain uh, Flipstar contract. And so that's- when you have that, you can actually even have an arbiter in between that will actually go ahead and give payouts to. Uh, you can have a blind arbiter, I guess, uh, who can give payouts to the uh, actual uh, org. Uh, recipient and whatnot uh over time you know or maybe they have to go ahead and submit i don't know uh uh timesheet or uh expense report or something like that but it can be uh but he'd be blind so he can't he can either send it to uh to the recipient or uh if say that they broke the contract or something like that they can uh, have everybody else redeem their original contributions back uh, afterwards but they can't go ahead and uh you know steal the money themselves yeah exactly uh, and so I think that would be a great market. Uh, there might be possibilities to kind of do that uh, right now without cash tokens in certain senses, but it won't be as good uh, as when cash token comes around. That's just mind blowing. That's going to be amazing. I can already see it, the desktop application with the like funding and here's all the proposals and you can click on it. And it's got a beautiful thing with a roadmap of everybody's things. And there's just one button, which is just like buy in. You just set a slider, how much? bam you pay in all the updates just flow back in there there's you know there's a market where you can just sell off your shares in whatever project that you don't like you're like this is going down the drain (laughs) (laughs) you know sell me out and like everything like it's gonna be amazing all right we gotta we gotta move on and we're never gonna get to the end of this show but uh yeah there's so much uh to, to all of this stuff it's it's un- well, yeah we might have to do another flip started deep dive at some point anyway uh moving on next topic it's builders uh, man <laughs> yeah we need more devs get get involved you want to be a dev i mean you can always hit me up i'll point you in the right direction okay running a node so according to blockchair uh bch has about 936 nodes bitcoin has about 7323 i don't know how accurate that is sometimes people say there's 50,000 nodes they're running on tour like all this sort of stuff it's hard to get a, a gauge of what is the the real uh numbers but i just wanted to talk a little bit it sounds like maybe we'll need to uh, do another episode dedicated to this at some point but talking about uh, running like nodes because it sort of plays into this uh, flip starter stuff as well too which is that at the end of the day somebody's got to have 
some of this hardware going <laughs> somewhere uh, and the whole ecosystem built from the ground up kind of relies on it. Now, the lucky thing is you can have like a thousand nodes can serve a, a lot of people, right? It's not like a one-to-one linear uh, scaling type of thing. But on the other hand, you do have to be making sure those base layers are building up in strength and resilience as we want to build more and more complicated stuff on top. So I'm going to be the first to say I have never, ever run a node of any kind. And that's a big gap in my Bitcoin knowledge. I definitely want to do it at some some point, uh, try it out, fire up a node and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Jet runs a node and you told me you've run a node as well in the past. So just give people a bit of an idea. How much work is it in terms of how technical do you need to be and how much does it cost to actually run a node and be be part of the network like that? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, as long as you're not talking about miners, and I feel like that number of 7,000 is too small and 900 is uh, too small. Uh, maybe, yeah, I'm not sure about the number of miners, but I've run nodes. It's very easy to run. Anybody can go ahead and do it. And uh, yeah, you can you can use an old laptop or an old desktop computer. The the real bottleneck isn't the computing power. It's because uh, most uh, machines can handle, you know, uh, verifying all the transactions. The issue is, is Internet. Uh, going ahead and downloading all those blocks, that takes forever. Um, and uh, I guess uh, maybe in the definition of a full node, you're storing, uh, you're keeping all the blocks there, but that's not necessary. You can have a prune node uh, that only keeps a, a certain blocks after a point that you uh, you need it. Um, and so the cost can vary based off of like how much storage you need, how much internet bandwidth you're trying to get, uh, but you can run it on bare bones, kind of like, um, or pretty, you know, uh, yeah, pretty old uh, system. basic consumer hardware type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Word, um, and so and it's a uh, it's not user friendly as far as I know because uh, I think everything's command line for the most part. Uh, so you have to uh, go ahead and download this uh, uh, binary uh, or build it, and um, I think usually you have to go ahead and get into the command line and run start uh, or uh, whatnot. So it's not user friendly at all. Uh, but anybody who's technical and can read the docs uh, should be able to kind of uh, get through with it unless they have an issue. In which case it might suck, um, or if anything gets corrupted in the middle and they have to figure out, uh, you know, how to get back to it. But uh, for the most part, it's not uh, it's not too difficult. And um, so any techno, I think uh, pretty much is uh, it's accessible to most technical people or people who are inclined to technical kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I've run like so many instances of BCHD at this point, and I've run. I think one time I tried to spin up a BU node and another time I had to spin up a BCHN node. Um, the BCHN node I had to set up because it has certain RPC commands that I think are like legacy RPC commands, so BCHD doesn't have them. Uh, and that was for a, um, a Minecraft uh, um, mod so that Minecraft players on a server could have uh, cryptocurrency wallets. So... In that case, it was just we need a node for the, the, the Minecraft server so that it can keep tabs on everyone's funds. Um, BCHD, and yeah, so those ones I, I ran on like a desktop. Um, I currently run a BC, my BCHD server or node on an actual server, but uh, I've in the past run it on a ThinkPad X220 from like 2012 with an external SSD. So I will say with BCHD specifically, I've run into RAM limitations before. I don't think eight gigs of RAM does it uh, for the initial block uh, download or block sync. Um, 
but uh, yeah, you need like 300 gigs of storage space and anywhere between like, I would say like 16, well, you can probably do 12 gigs of RAM, but like 12, 16 gigs of RAM and BCHD specific there and you'll be good. As far as like costs, I never kept track of it because it was just the cost of running a laptop for a month. What's that, like $14 or something like that in electric? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, no, it's pretty... It's pretty straightforward. Um, I have a video from like five years ago uh, on my YouTube channel is how to set up a BCHD note in five minutes. I'm pretty sure the first minute of that is me just blabbering. So yeah, anyone can do it in less than five minutes. It's not too difficult. I think I set up a BCHD note as well. Um, that's uh, I set I set up BCHD, and I think I guess uh, I know a uh, Bitcoin Bitcoin D uh, at some point, and um, I guess uh, BCH maybe ABC at the time, uh, or uh, yeah, something like that. But I was uh, BCHD is the one I remember the most. It's the most recent one that I ran, um, and I was running on eight gigabytes. Uh, it did get corrupted in the middle at one point, but I uh, just restarted it again, and it uh, you know it worked out. But um, were you about to say something? I'm pretty sure with a prune node, you only need like two gigs or something like that. Like it's two gigabytes. Yeah. Man, I, all right. I all right. I'm gonna have to have to just sit down. I've got no excuse. Like my hard drive's not got much space on it, and I've been putting off getting a bigger hard drive or getting a new laptop for a long time. Uh, probably too long. But I should. I okay. If it's two gigabytes, I'm gonna have to give this a shot. Fire it up and. Yeah, let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure it's like a ridiculously like prune BCHD nodes are super small. Okay, nice. I'll 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 have to look into that. Anyway, at some point, uh, I definitely want to do an episode that just fully goes into the details of all because there's so many misconceptions. I think who's supposed to run the nodes, who's responsible for it. It kind of ties into all the same stuff about the flip starters, like where are the companies that are supposed to run the nodes that like the podcasts, the Bitcoin Cash podcasts ideally should at some stage be running two or three nodes like and that will just be a cost that i'm in you know in sort of investing into to support the network because if the whole network dies well then there's no podcast so uh that that kind of it should be more businesses more projects like that that are then running um running infrastructure and so at the moment you know the the satoshis are going on on other other stuff that the community needs but uh eventually if it was more of a critical need or once the the budget is there for sure it's going to be going to be running nodes and and that's uh yeah just just things that people should chip into the the ecosystem really so Jet, yeah figure so, that out. uh yeah sorry just real quick um i found um a pruned bchd node is roughly 10 percent of a full node so about 23, 24 gigs right now. Okay. That's a lot bigger than when I ran it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess it was a couple of years ago. But I, I, need, I, I actually need to run a full node again too, probably if uh, Flipstarter kind of kind of gets bigger. Just like uh, Jet was saying, he, he wanted to have a full node because of his uh, Minecraft server. Uh, running a full node is uh, really useful if you're... Uh, <clears throat> If you're providing a service, you know, you want to go ahead and uh, have something that's reliable that you can be sure is uh, going to stay up and you can go ahead and uh, it's decentralized, too. So you can always run or try to call uh, another uh, somebody else who's running a full node to try to get that information. But for the most part, you want to have yours so it's fast and reliable and uh, close, co-located with your like, uh, you know, your business kind of. Um, and so I'm probably going to have to do that for uh, 
flip started on me. One of the biggest issues when you're mentioning about cost is that uh, there's a whole lot of freeloaders out there. And that, that's what I was mentioning with uh, Chris, uh, uh, with the permission of the Software Foundation, why they went in with IPFS uh, kind of like a stack. It's because uh, there's a lot of people going ahead and pulling. Uh, so this information is necessary to kind of run applications. Uh, but the the people who are running the infrastructure right now might be, you know, getting hammered and they're not making a lot uh, off of it uh, directly. Maybe, you know, as long as the coin survives, that's a little bit better than, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a little benefit there, but, uh, they, I think they do need to get compensated a little bit as well. Uh, I, right now I run, uh, I'm using Electrum cash for a flip starter and I have, a uh, a few nodes kind of like, uh, connecting to, um, I think I am, you name is running one of them. Um, quite a few of the, uh, general protocols, uh, folks. And so I need, uh, I'm, I'm not for freeloader, uh, state right now. And I want to go ahead and build my own so I can, uh, serve uh yeah so i can meet that need without uh you know making it a more of a burden for uh those other guys and also i want it to be reliable for sure uh running as well you know um because when you're relying on a free service you, you never know what could happen you know yeah and just like we were saying before about funding a centralized foundation well as soon as you start doing that then everybody starts going, why don't they run the infrastructure and then the infrastructure becomes centralized around there and it's just a it's just a disaster on every every angle uh, before you know it. All right, let's. It's also talk. similar to the IPFS. Sorry, it's also similar to IPFS that I was mentioning in the beginning. Like if you're relying on just IPFS or uh, IPFS IO uh, servers for uh, hosting your data, um, not not only freeloading, free but you're, it's also but slow. And so uh, if you run your own, it makes uh, it relieves the network a bit, and it makes and it makes the user experience much better for everybody. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, it kind of ties in with a whole decentralized, uh, you know, running your own stuff and being responsible for your own stuff uh, helps out every decentralized network for the most part, it seems like, um, whether it's money, whether it's uh, storage, or if it's um, accessing blockchain data, you know. Incentives, yeah, the incentives are just all lined up, incentive mm -hmm. design. Okay, so let's uh, move on then. We've got, this is the last sort of major topic. It's on like three slides, but it's kind of just one uh, topic. So we'll just tie it all together. Yeah which is that uh, there hasn't been all that much news this week. So instead, the Bitcoin Cash community said, look, let's just start some start some drama. I kind of felt like, uh, do I even really want to address this? But I thought it was worth uh, pointing out. So basically, uh, Oscar Salas93 posted on Reddit saying, main reasons why I'm leaving Bitcoin Cash, a general and final response to my previous post complaining about getting banned so it kind of followed on from a, an earlier post that he made where he basically got into some bickering in the smart bch telegram and eventually got banned because i guess everybody was sick of this doom and gloom that was being spread around and so i just wanted to talk about this a little bit because it's such a classic of bitcoin cash i don't know what it is i don't know if other crypto communities have this they definitely do have like Nick Carter on BDC is a classic one, or there's all kinds of cases of people storming out, storming out uh, in quotation marks of coins and claiming it's over and the sky is falling. Of course, it never is. That's the whole point of decentralization. But their own little personal arc with the coin comes to an end, either temporarily or or uh, permanently. And these same things get brought up in every single. I'm leaving Bitcoin Cash. It's all over, guys. Like, give up now. Woe to ye who remain type of things. Okay, there's too many forks, not enough marketing, retail adoption not growing, prices down, 
somebody I had an issue with somebody or Roger didn't do a good enough job or whatever. And there's usually also I'm being censored, which usually comes right after a whole bunch of complaining that everybody finally got got sick of, right? So I I just think it's worth looking a little bit at why why is there so much drama about about this and does the community need to fix some of these problems or i mean to me stuff like this there's too many forks okay there was a, a couple of forks yeah that was real traumatic but it stopped but people are still bringing it up like oh there's so many forks that's the reason everything's screwed no that was like more than two years ago and it the community is at high harmony right now stop like if you're just looking for a reason to be upset basically like not enough marketing that's another classic like what well what have you done for marketing where's your bitcoin cash podcast with you know 50 episodes right how about you do that and then tell me there's not enough uh marketing saying uh, someone needs to do the marketing or it needs to be better coordinated it's decentralized mate like what it just the word gets out how it how it gets out so a lot of this stuff the price is down well that's the same as every crypto it's just volatile it goes up it goes down and if you use it as peer-to-peer cash the volatility is a problem all, all of this stuff just i don't know why bitcoin cash just has so many people who want to make a drama out of out of nothing uh but anyway that's 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 my thoughts what what do you think i is this are these problems that we need to solve or is this just once somebody's personally fed up or you know has a change in their life circumstances they just come up with some excuses to kind of quit the quit the scene uh from my perspective i think uh anytime somebody like i think it's largely a lot of uh of an emotional response you know uh i think you had in another side is a passion is it because we're passionate about uh the goals and so when they kind of i guess don't you know meet up to the expectation maybe people get pissed off that it's not moving fast enough or something like that uh, so whenever there's, uh, you know, emotions uh, involved there, I can see how it comes out in a certain way. And I, I think that in general, uh, people are just bad. At, not people, but uh, in general, we suck at communicating some of these uh, things. And so it can come off as blaming. It can come off as uh, being unconstructive or uh, and or it might actually be unconstructive because, uh, you know, the other side can't listen to that type of uh, communication style or whatnot. It's so... Uh, but I still think that there's something there, you know, uh, and I, I might not even agree on what the pro- problems are, but I know there's for sure some kind of problem going on with their, you know, how they're, uh, how they, you know, maybe their expectation, how they feel, you know, those emotions come from somewhere, whether it's passion or, um, or something. So I do like to go ahead and try to parse through what they're saying. Um, and in this case, uh, yeah, I think, uh, just quit puts it, uh, perfectly, uh, succinctly, you know, this is, uh, what happens when it's decentralized, you know? And uh, I want to decentralize everything, just like uh, Ted's uh, uh, article about how to go ahead and decentralize everything without, um, you know, uh, without the. With it. But he just did it in a funding model kind of a perspective. But when it comes to how we go ahead and work as, I, or actually that was actually my uh, original thought. I think that people come out this way uh, or speak this way because uh, there's nobody to go ahead and communicate these issues like since it is decentralized they're just going to yell it into the you know the sphere and rage quit at that point because they weren't able to go ahead and communicate it i guess uh and work on it uh in the process maybe that's just a theory of mine you know that since it's so decentralized so they want to go ahead and uh, communicate it and so they're just going to yell it into the uh you know the biggest platform that they have uh 
And, uh, and but usually that happens at the the last moment when they're, you know, super pissed off. And so it ends up becoming uh, rage quitting, you know. And so there's more communication, maybe uh, working, you know, trying to tackle these hard problems since because since it's a decentralized uh, network, these problems are hard to solve if they are actual problems. You know, it is part of the nature of it. But we, you know, we do want to have, you know, reach people with uh, marketing. We do want to, you know, um, uh, I don't know figure out how to deal with forks or something like that uh, so that it's not as damaging when it happens. You know, people can go their own way uh, somehow. So that's, hopefully it's not, you know, going to end up, uh, you know, hurting both sides or something like that uh, dramatically. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there's something there. We just, uh, it's just, it's hard problems to solve. And so it does take a lot of communication back and forth and something like that. And we, yeah, it might, yeah, it would be difficult. Uh, and so that's why I think so that combined with how difficult it is, combined with uh, how decentralized it is, it's, it ends up coming becoming rage quitting uh, uh, more often than not. You know. Yeah, I'm not trying to trying to call out this guy specifically. I want to be clear about that. I don't really uh, you know agree with him all that much, but I just think it's it's just such it just happens every. It's like clockwork. Every two or three months, somebody's having a bad day and they make a make a post like this so just quit uh is my community comment of the week for just uh pointing this out in the comments basically saying uh it says okay quote development is centralized also there are too many forks also the marketing isn't co cohesive uh that's what you get when something is actually decentralized smart bch isn't bch but i'm leaving bch because the smart bch guys didn't appreciate me telling them their project was a corpse and they were wasting their time. Also, price isn't important to me, but I'm leaving because the market is bad. Also, Roger Ver, bad man, reads like Tobias's post, end quote. So it's it's just kind of, yeah, when when people get frustrated and when they leave, it usually just devolves into a contradictory set of mess that essentially just comes down to I'm unhappy or things aren't working out the way I want or I see a problem and I don't see somebody making a successful solution. Oftentimes there is like this smart BCH one is a classic. Okay. It's pretty screwed up and there's problems, but there's also not nobody doing anything. Okay. The person rage quitting, maybe that can't see that, but people involved are trying to make a solution, whether it's a success or not is a, is a different question. But if they can do a better job, that's the whole point. It's decentralized. I just don't think people could have the best sense of, People are not used to decentralized, leaderless things. Like who goes and says, ah, oh, the internet needs, my internet speeds need to be faster and da da da. So I'm quitting the internet. It's like, that's <laughs> not, the internet doesn't care, bro. It's the same thing. Everybody seems to get upset about Bitcoin Cash because in their little slice of the world, they're like, it's not going, oh, the telegram groups that I'm in are not being constructive. This whole community is so screwed. And there was points in this post about the leaders are not doing the right thing. It's like, you're not getting it, man. There is no leaders. The people who you think are influential maybe are not acting a certain way that you like or whatever. But the, the answers are pretty obvious. Stop listening to those people. Start listening to somebody else. Or do a better job yourself and prove those people wrong. Like, lead by example. Just being salty and... Quitting is not really making a difference. I don't know. Jet, what do you think about all this? So I'm going to do something that I like never do, not just on the podcast, but even my day-to-day -day life and be a little empathetic here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Be the good guy. I've been the bad guy in this situation. Well, I don't think I'm going to be a good guy, but this is kind of my message to the community too. Like the cryptocurrency scene 
is exhausting. Learn to take breaks. You should be able to walk away. It's just money, bro. You should be able to walk away for years, come back, collect your paycheck, and still use it. We don't need to hang out 24-7. We don't need to be talking back and forth all the time. Like, unless you're contributing to a project. If you're just an end user, you, you none of this should worry you at all. Does it work as money? Yes or no? That's it. Yeah, good point. And I think that's even even to the extent that you do contribute to projects or be involved, be involved to the extent that you need to be. You don't need to be browsing Reddit 15 times a day or arguing with people in the Telegram chat to work on your thing or chat to somebody at your local crypto meetup about Bitcoin Cash or, or whatever. The reality is that what seems like such a big drama to the five people in a Reddit thread is that 99.9999999% of humanity aren't involved. They aren't discussing that. They don't care. And they are never going to care. In 24 hours, there'll be a new post on Reddit and nobody will literally ever care again. So it's just so... I, I don't know. It's just uh, you can see the... I, th I think it's good that there's so much passion in the scene that when people leave, they kind of... It's like, what are you contributing at that point, though? Just they kind of say often put it this sort of altruistic way i'm trying to help the bitcoin cash community see its flaws or so but it's the same avatar this same idea that there's somebody that should be responsible or that is going to hear them and like change everything for that no okay people might take that feedback on board like we're discussing it right now maybe those ideas percolate into the sort of consciousness but these same things that have been brought up over and over and over again like why there's too many forks and the price is bad. Look, if anybody had a magic solution, they would have already deployed it. And the fact is, it's just not really that big of an issue. Anyway, somebody made a, a response post, which I was really good to see. Short squeeze 20K. Shout out to them, which was main reasons why I'm not leaving Bitcoin Cash. And they just pointed out a bunch of stuff that is going great, which these posts always ignore. So they said, developer happiness was the very first point. And I thought that was brilliant. That's exactly right, because all the complaints about forks is already just swept aside. Once you realize that all the devs are happy, the forks usually start socially and then they get come into a technical thing. Well, there's no social uh, mistrust or whatever, so the devs are not under that technical pressure. That's brilliant. Then they talked about layer one improving. Uh, again, technical, but okay, the difficulty algorithm, cash address, repay protection all these things that we implemented shortly after uh you know in the history of bch were basically like maintenance we're basically putting it onto its own path and now it's things like scaling double spend proofs native introspection cash tokens we're actually building the future rather than just fixing up problems from the past which is just so bullish it's unbelievable it's still a utxo the community's still doing p2p cash we're still getting favorable oversight from regulators like we saw last week with the, the Canadian stuff, legal tender in St. Martin, the conference coming up. That's going to be massive. I don't know how you can hear about that coming up and think, oh, Bitcoin Cash is dead. It's all over. Uh, <laughs> the Maxis like, narrative is moving against the BDC people more and more. And then they had a bunch of other points, which were kind of secondary, but you can sort of throw them in there. Any hedge is being developed. 
Roger Ver still all in, you know, all on BCH and and contributing to the community and pushing. Smart BCH could always have a turnaround. Okay, that remains to be seen, but it's not it's not actually completely dead. Coins are coming out from Mount Gox. Maybe there would be some of the OGs. They'll buy up some BCH. Some of that stuff's a bit hopium at the end there, right? But the idea is, if you look for the negatives, you'll see the negatives. And if you look for the positives, you'll see the like. I, that's why I had podcast has had 50,000 views on YouTube all right that's where's that in the post like two years ago there was no podcast now there is right I'm not saying that it's the most centrally important thing the point is that I am looking for a positive trend and I'm finding one and they're doing the opposite they're looking for a reason to be upset and they are so anyway that's that's about all I I wanted to say on on this but I'm optimistic and I don't don't know are you optimistic (laughs) How how are we doing? Are we are we trending in the right direction? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the uh the conference is uh is a big plus. I don't know why you'd quit right before. It, I mean, after it's announced. I mean, especially when you're close by, uh, possibly. Uh, but uh, layer one improvements are is a big big plus to the um to the whole ecosystem. Uh, as uh, I guess since I'm a developer, I kind of focus on that. Uh, and yeah i think that can actually address some of the problems that he was uh mentioning you know when it comes to cash tokens that's probably a decent way to kind of onboard people who don't want to go all in on crypto any edge uh and uh bch pool uh for people who don't have uh that have a problem with uh the volatility the price, or, or yeah. make a price or may actually make a profit off of the volatility a bit right uh and so that's a um that's a huge plus uh, uh what was what was his other about uh, forks uh forks, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure uh, uh, that there's any solution uh, technically uh, from here. We also but haven't actually, had a I've... fork in so long. Like, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, not so right. long, but as far as crypto goes, like, we've been doing good on forks. Uh, yeah, true. Actually, that was probably one of the weaker points, but I guess it was his overall um, thing. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think uh, things are looking good uh, for the next uh, few years. Uh, God bless. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Anyway, we had to. Had to had to dig it a bit into the drama. We don't always get it on this show, so we'll 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 put a little little bit in the mix there. Right, last last section then. Message to the community. So kind of to, yeah, tie it all together a little bit in terms of all the, the flip starter stuff, the outlook for the future, or I don't know whatever else is on your mind. What what does the Bitcoin Cash community need to hear? Uh, I guess I could mix it up, uh, kind of tie it all together. So I think the you know my message to the community would be to kind of like uh. The handle communication a little bit better. I think uh, you're you're really correct. Where people don't understand how to handle how to act, I guess a little bit. No, I'm not trying to point any figures or anything like that. But you know, uh, it's a decentralized kind of a, a, a community, and the whole goal is to kind of like decentralize the entire world. At least for me, you know. And but most people aren't used to that. You know, we did not we were not raised in the decentralized uh, with the decentralized mindset because of all the uh, you know stuff going on with. You know, uh, in my opinion, governments and, uh, you know, we kind of get raised in this kind of like central authority figure kind of telling us what to do for decades, you know. And so um, people want to yell at somebody, you know, tell their complaints, but that's not how it works. Uh, not not in this decentralized world, you, they'll fall on deaf ears. And so uh, flip starters um, and community. So working on a communication and uh, presenting uh, solutions, identifying problems and kind of like even working together to kind of figure out what the possible solutions could be. You know, uh, people can kind of be an ad, you know, all the, no matter what, no, whatever your feelings are, you can still be an ad to the community. Your perspective will be valued, you know, especially when you're going ahead and uh, trying to solve uh, problems or link up with people who see certain issues and try to work on top of that. You know, it can, it can be a benefit to everybody. And uh, flip storage is one way to kind of like 
uh, do that so that we can kind of get a little bit of funds. But the the funds fund funding is just one part of it. You know, collaboration, uh, putting out a, a thought out proposal. Those are just as important. You know, uh, you probably won't get the funding if you don't get that part down. Um, and so uh, overall, just that's basically my message to the community is kind of like uh, work on communication so that we can collaborate a little bit, uh, a little bit more or tighter, have tighter kind of collaboration. Bro. Um, and hopefully we can see each other at uh, the Bitcoin Cash Conference. You know? Yeah. yeah. You're going to be there? No, no, no. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yet. OK. All right. All right. Well, hopefully. anyway, hopefully, 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 hopefully you are. I think, yeah, everybody should just remember like i don't know it's one of my favorite sayings it's not it's not a problem unless you've got a solution right if you've got a complaint a problem or whatever you've got two options one start fixing it show us how it's done it's that simple like if there's a problem get on get on and do it otherwise that's going to get a far more positive response guys i've identified this problem and probably everyone will be like yes that is a problem and b here's my solution and then people can give you feedback on that it's actually proactive and positive that's the first thing and the second thing is if if you're not happy or you're not yeah just take a break like jet said like just go go on an island vacation maybe to St. kids <laughs> or anywhere else just don't just disconnect from all of it and you don't need to make some big rage post about it like you can it's better if you just fade out go away for a little while and then you can come back it'll still be here that's the whole point so uh yeah it really doesn't need to be such a big drama i don't think anyway that's that's enough of that for this week that will pretty much do it for the show as always we got the donations uh qr code thank you very much to all the donators all this we're talking about funding of devs and flip starters and and all that sort of stuff it's really really appreciated honestly every uh satoshi is just uh motivation boost as well as a sort of financial boost i guess uh two dick p shout out to you in the chat shout out to everybody in the in the chat actually uh it's been been great great to have you kind of a unusual time zone for the show so always good to have people checking in everybody uh listening can check out start guide faq links bitcoin cash podcast uh dot com somebody said in the survey uh that they wanted the the show to be on odyssey well it already is on odyssey so go check it out uh there you can stream the show on podcast as well shout out to ricky my patron and uh yeah other shout outs to the show saeed where can uh people find you and obviously give the uh flip starter one more one more plug yeah my flip starter is uh fund.flipstarter.me and uh <clears throat> i'm most i'm not really on social media too much uh you can find me though on um on telegram uh for the most part at a uh, bitcoin cash channel uh Said miller uh but yeah check me out on uh, flipstarter.me and uh my github is uh linked uh, somewhere in there but saeed miller as well and uh i just wanted to give a quick shout out to you guys for sponsoring or for uh sending in a uh a, a pledge and uh to all the folks who uh, already contributed we're about uh 1.5 away from uh the goal thank you guys doing great work mate absolutely great work chat did you remember what you were gonna say or? i did i wrote it down because i almost lost it like immediately after i thought of it so if you're exhausted like i think both the leaving the space and the making the post are one in the same uh 
If you're looking for just a community aspect, if you're looking for that social support or external validation, just be upfront and honest with it. So if you're tired with Bitcoin Cash and the space, be like, hey guys, look, this is getting fucking draining on my soul. What can we do about this? Is it just me uh, or what? And and if you do want to leave, just be like, like, we don't need... Yeah, I think a lot of it was social validation issues. I think if we focus on uh, being a little more open in our communication and with ourselves, like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm being a little too uh, arrogant in this, but I think we're yeah, all a no, little too but... autistic. So <laughs> just need to calm down, be a little more, uh, a little more, um, yeah, just emotionally aware, I think. Yeah, dude, that's a great point. I mean, uh, I don't know if it was in that post at all, uh, but I'm not sure if he actually mentioned his values, you know, what he cares about. You know, I don't I don't know if it like particularly mentioned that. I think that's an important part to kind of like connect with others, you know, kind of ex explain what what you you're so passionate about and uh, what's the what's in the way of that at this moment, you know, and then people can connect much easier than uh, just, you know, mentioning uh, things that are problems to you, but not other other people might not understand that context of those problems for you, you know. If your exactly. goal is to have peer-to-peer -peer cash everywhere, you know, there's absolutely issues to getting there, you know, that we need to fix. And so, I mean, you know, if you, if that's your goal. And so I think, uh, yeah, being open, that was a great point, Jay. For real. It's, a, it's a community. That's exactly what it is. And yeah, for whoever that was making the frustrated post, yeah, if you need if you need some more community support, yeah, just ask for it. And maybe when it comes out as this is a problem and this is a problem and this is a problem I'm leaving, like that's not a good way to get sympathy or support or connection in any scenario let alone anonymously in the hostile cryptocurrency environments right so yeah if if you need you know if the community is feeling a bit unfriendly well that's definitely a separate problem and we can we can tackle that but yeah conflating it with all this other drama is just not going to get the desired result and that's that's pretty much what we saw and things need to be uncensorable as well, too. So complaining, I've been censored. Well, your message got out there. You found a way. So clearly, when you want to get it done, you can you can get it done. Don't give me this I'm being censored victim like mentality. Like BCH, just the history proves it. Like you got to be able to people are going to attack you. They're going to try and shut you down. They're going to try and silence you. You got to find a way to get the message out there. That's a, that's our responsibility. That's our burden to changing the world. It's not up to the world to just give us a free ride like that's not how it works all right cool well that will do it for the show again shout out to everyone in the chat for just made a flip starter it's popping off uh thanks everyone for listening and until next time appreciate it guys the greatest story the world has ever known rise and rise of Bitcoin 2000